This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Mike Dawes, Kyle Russo, Chris Klimazewski here in the studio. We are broadcasting live tonight on MyWCWP.org and WCWP Sports. We are on Facebook Live as well through my Facebook account. And our first topic tonight, guys, by the way, welcome to to November. And a happy birthday to a former or a current member of the WCWP Sports Department, Tom Dillman. Yeah, he just got promoted to the new PR director of the Sports Department. uh, That's right. uh, Director of Pizza Relations. You know, I always thought that's what that meant. So <laughs> no, I'm he actually did. This dude comes in for Saturday games, buys pizza, and then leaves. Awesome guy. Are you complaining that's what about I that? said. No, I'm oh, not. Okay. That's well, what I'm saying. That's why he got promoted. In, in, in 40 years, you know, that, that's that's something you might appreciate doing for that's a lot of pizza. younger people. Oh, you remember last year no, when he broadcast, a fun year. Kyle? It yeah. was a fun year last year. Um, reminder, you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments on the segment we are currently doing. So our first segment is the World Series. So if you want to have any questions on baseball, call in 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show, and let's get started. All right, so the World Series is over. We're going to go over our picks and what we had um, for the World Series. I know Chris did not get a chance to uh, make his pick on the games for the World Series, but me, Dawes, James, and Kyle Russo did. No James tonight. So Boston wins their fourth World Series since... 2004 it was in five games against the los angeles dodgers and you know it's a real shame because this is now two years in a row that the los angeles dodgers finish as the bridesmaids of major league baseball and that comment definitely went over everybody's head here in the studio awkward silence in the first (laughs) two minutes of review and preview excellent so the dodgers finished second two years in a row uh, but the really the big storyline of this game, obviously last week when we had our show, Boston was already up 2-0 in the series, so we already talked about games 1 and 2. But game 3 was a marathon. I believe this was Friday night, last Friday night. Uh, the Red, the Dodgers won 3-2 in, inning, in 18 innings off a Max Muncy home run. And Chris, Max Muncy has been a great, was a great addition to the Dodgers this year, considering the injuries they had in the infield, especially before the acquisition of Manny Machado. Did you stay up to watch this 18-inning game? You know what? We After we called in, we were listening to the game the whole ride up to— oh, you were up north. Yeah, we went up to Assumption. We listened to the whole ride, get into the hotel room, and I personally fell asleep in the 16th inning. I was just so darn tired. I could not fall asleep, and— I mean, I could not stay awake, and I just fell asleep. But Max Muncy, yeah, he's been a great— he was a great addition to the Dodgers all year— and it, that definitely helped out the Dodgers a lot because their outfield has been weak these past couple of years with the down the downfall of how bad not how bad Yasiel Puig has been, but his play as a general has been down. Jock Peterson since his, his the first half of his rookie year has not been playing up to snuff, and they always been missing that third outfielder. So put, being able to put Bellinger into that center field role mm-hmm. was good for the was good for the Dodgers to do that. That way, and now their infield looks like Muncy. Uh, Turner and Machado all in the infield, which is great. Oh, I completely agree, and I think this was a great year for the Dodgers. Just they were heavily overmatched in the World Series by the Red Sox. Um, me and Dawes both picked the Sox in five. 
and I was the one that said the Dodgers will probably. You guys remember? You guys are here last week. I said the yep. Dodgers would win Game Three, but lose in five, and that's what happened. Yep. Griffin said the the Red Sox in three. So yeah, the, Griffin said the Red Sox Almost. in three, but yeah, he's not re- he's not re- relevant at this point with the Red Sox winning in three because that cannot happen. Um, so Game Three, what happened was Beeler pitched a phenomenal seven innings for the Dodgers, seven shutout innings, no runs and two hits. But then Kenley Jansen blows the save. Uh, it was in, I think it was in the eighth inning. Uh, Jen, uh, Jensen was in the game. Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a home run. He was the MVP of the ALCS. Remember, he only hit about 200 in the series, but those nine RBIs were incredible. He comes in, hits the home run, ties the game. Um, and then finally, uh, Nathan Yavaldi, who was predicted to start game four due to the 18, 18 inning game, was forced to come into relief in game three. Pitched six innings in this game. This was not good for Boston because, remember, he was predicted to start game four, so to pitch six innings in game three, and then eventually Yavaldi got the loss and gave up the game-winning home run to Max Muncy. Um, so not good. But game three, I mean, this was a marathon. Now, watching marathon games in the World Series does. Is this always fun to watch as a baseball fan, or does it get boring after a while a little bit? No, never boring. I did fall asleep from innings, I think, 12 to 14. <laughs> so I took a little cat nap there. But it was it was a good game. It was really fun. I, I, I caught all the interesting stuff, so I, I thought it was really cool. I see why people think it's boring, though. It's Any uh, Vegas odds in this game, in the series? Uh, well, Red Sox are heavy favorites. Right, I picked the Dodgers. Did you? Did, I was gonna say. I was say. Did you win any money this when week? When Dawes picks a sports team, folks, yeah, bet against them. Of course, please do. Except my NBA picks, you know. We'll get to the Sacramento Kings being uh, five and three, I believe, a little later on. Yeah, a little Western Conference Finals. Someone's got to oh, say it. Oh God! Someone's got to say it. Anyway, Game Four, Boston wins nine to six. Um, I was actually. Um, this was the Saturday night of Halloween weekend. Um, I was actually at the Sign of the Whale up in Stamford, Connecticut, watching this game, and it did not end great for the Dodgers. I know it was a little bit closer early on, but then Boston pulled away. I believe it was a five-run ninth inning for the Red Sox. Uh, they won 9-6, to six, so there were 15 runs scored in this game. Seven of them were scored in the ninth inning. So half the game was basically played in the ninth inning, if you ask me. That's unacceptable. Uh, the Dodgers' bullpen did not look good in this series, and they spoiled the start from Rich Hill. Rich Hill, oh, yeah. guys, keep in mind, Rich Hill is going up against this Red Sox lineup. Rich Hill was hurt a lot this year. He was really up and down. He was more like their number three, number four pitcher. He goes seven innings, giving up just one run and one hit. Seven strikeouts. But the story of this game was Stephen Pierce. Had a home run and four RBIs. This guy was incredible. He turned out to be the World Series MVP. But back to that ninth inning in Game 4 for a minute. Shout-out to Tommy Mack, by the way, watching our show on Facebook, former co-host. Uh, when you give up five runs in the ninth inning of a World Series game, it just goes to show how talented Boston is with their offense, setting a franchise record, what was it, 108 wins in the regular season? Yep, And if you if you include the playoffs, I think the final count was 119 or something. So it just goes to show you they can turn on the light switch at any time. They can rocket the jets, you know, to their airplane, and they can really take off. Yeah, and that uh, – They can sock you up, you know. Uh, that was probably that was a good a one. Yeah, 
That uh, when they when the Dodgers were four nothing, then gave up nine straight runs. I mean, to do that after you win that eighteen inning game was just was horrible. They they actually were up four nothing, correct? They yeah. were, and then Mitch Moreland hit that three run shot, mm-hmm. and then Pierce hit a home run. Lovely. Yep. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't do that. It, like right? they're up four nothing. You think okay, now it's two two. No. And then their bullpen has just been so bad this entire playoffs. Yeah, entire playoffs. it really was bad. Um, other stuff we got to discuss here, um, in that game four. That really basically clinched the series, I think, for Boston because at that point the Dodgers had only one home game remaining in the series, and then even if you survived Game 5, you had to somehow pull some magic out of the hat and then escape with a two-game sweep at Fenway, Mm. which is nearly impossible, especially when you're down three games to two in the series. In Game 5, Boston won this game 5-1 to to win their fourth World Series since the century. Um this game was incredible because it was Kershaw versus Price mm-hmm. in Game 5. Uh, Pierce had two home runs. He turned out to be the MVP. But, uh, Chris, I mean, talk about rookie skipper Alex Cora and how he really impacted this series with his his, his team. And Boston was able to put a Dodgers team away rather quickly. You know, it was – Alex Cora is a great manager, I think. I think he's the definitely a product of – I'm not saying he's not a bad manager, but – this team, I mean, you could have put you could put Tyron Lue there on that team, and you could they could have went to the World Series. That's wow. how that's how good this team is. That was cold. Not, but not. Yeah, I mean, to Tyron Lue, he stinks. <laughs> that's but a, that's a take right there. But no, but Alex Cora, I think he's a great manager, and he managed this series very well. And you saw that he went with David Price in Game Five instead of Chris Sale. Now, I thought in in my head when I first heard that, I was like, why not just go with a definite win? You'll ha- Chris Sale will definitely. More likely to get you the win than David Price. You know, everyone knows David Price has had a. This is not the best when it comes to playoffs, but he had a. David Price had a great ALCS. He had a. He had a good a good game. Uh, what was it? Game two, he pitched in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he pitched in game. He pitched good in game two, and he comes out in game five, and everyone was like, "Oh, they got this." It's Kershaw versus Price. It's going to be Kershaw's game the whole way, and that was not the case. Price looked unbelievable, pitching seven innings, only giving up what one run. No yeah. runs. No, I think Price... Uh, no, he gave up a run. He gave up a run in three hits in seven innings. Yeah, so it was, again, look, David Price was lights out in this game. It was definitely the smarter move. You know you know why? Because say even if Price were to lose that game, it would the Red Sox would still be, be up 3-2. Mm-hmm. Then you're going back to Boston, that's when you could pitch Chris Sale. Yeah. But it just turned out to be that David, it was a good move by Alex Horner to put in David Price in that in that situation. They, the Red Sox ended up winning the World Series that game. And then Chris Sale ended up pitching the ninth inning to yeah. shut the door. Exactly. Uh, because you look... Games uh, three and four, and even earlier on in the playoffs, Craig Kimbrell, as dominant as he is, he is not that good when the pressure is on and you're up by a couple of runs. I will say one thing about Craig Kimbrell, one of the best closers in the game. However, I feel like there's an internal issue like anxiety or some type of thing that gets into his head, especially when he's on the road, because his talent is there, but sometimes his mentality is not. And I know this at first hand because me and my brother actually parked at him in a Mets game a few years back when he was at Atlanta, and it got into his head. I don't know if it's the way he poses before he throws pitches, but, I mean, you know, this is something that – because Kimbrell is a f- free agent yeah. this offseason. So, I mean, do you think that Kimbrell's poor performance in the playoffs led to uh, Cora not throwing him out there in the ninth inning up by four? 
runs. Yeah. He's an elite closer here. Definitely. I mean, when we not just in this uh, series against the Dodgers, but I remember going back to the uh, what was it? It was I think it was Game Four. No, sure Game was. Five against the Yankees. Back when he was playing the Yankees, closing it out. I mean, remember Gary Sanchez was literally ten feet away from winning the game with that uh, bomb that he had uh, hit out into left field. I mean, Craig, uh, Craig Kimbrell almost blew that game. And I will say one thing: if that bomb goes out for Gary Sanchez, yeah, I really do think the Yankees come back to yeah. win that series. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they 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 were down three one, but the momentum was on their side, and you know, history goes to show that sometimes things like that can have a huge swing in terms of a series. One play can change a series. You know, we've seen it in basketball. We've seen it in other sports. Um. But, yeah, I, I do feel bad for Craig Kimbrell. But um, but he's a World Series champion. He is. He is a World Series champion. And, actually, this gets overlooked. Joe Kelly pitched the eighth inning of this game. Yeah. Nobody's talking about him retiring the side in order and striking out all three guys that he faced in the eighth inning to hold the lead for Boston. Joe Kelly, I think, is realistically one of the unsung heroes of this game that nobody's going to talk about and it's not going to go on paper. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's but that's what you get with that holder position, that eighth inning guy uh, position in the bullpen. You're really not going to get too much recognition. Either way, when it's playoffs or even during the season, you're not going to get that much recognition unless you're lights out, like unless you're like, uh, what am I trying to say, uh, like Dylan Patances, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. So... To, but congratulations to Joe Kelly, and like you said, Tom, he definitely is an unsung hero of that series. I completely agree with you there. Um, other stuff I do want to say, um, congratulations to the Red Sox. They earned it. Um, was this the greatest Red Sox team ever? I very well think it might be because their dominance in the playoffs, you took the Dodgers down in five, you took the Yanks down in five, and I'm pretty sure they swept. Uh, no, the, Houston the, in five. Houston was in five. They didn't play Houston in the division round, though. No, I'm saying they beat Houston in oh, five. Oh, yeah, yeah. They beat the Yankees in five. Yeah. And they beat the Dodgers in five. They yeah. only lost three games to argue, arguably the three best teams in baseball besides them. Yeah. Those were the three other best teams that they beat. Their road to the World Series was not easy. They had to play the Yankees and the Astros. And then they have to go in and beat the Dodgers, who were in the World Series last year. This was the year that everybody's saying, oh, the Dodgers are going to get there. Payback, they're going to get their revenge. Bridesmaids twice. Also, um, I, th- I think they That's uh, the worst. They, they beat the Yankees in four games because they celebrated on the Yankee Stadium. That's right. Oh, yeah, they it was four, my bad. And, yeah, and, um, you know what it is? I'm thinking of a yeah. seven-game series. And yeah, seven, and they didn't face seven. elimination once. They did not. They So it, it very, mel- very well might be the best Red Sox team ever. It very well might be. Um, Steven Pierce, in this World Series, 333 average, a dinger, eight ribbies, well-earned. This is a young guy. Um, I think he did. He didn't he hit two? He hit two, he hit two in game five. He hit two in game five. He did hit two in game five. So he had two home. Excuse me. Uh, apologies. He had two home runs in this series, but more importantly, the eight RBIs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, this well is deserved. something. Yeah. He was a guy acquired in June too. So he this was. Is, he played I mean, for Baltimore. Is, He's thirty-five years old. Yep. He's played for every AL East team, I believe. He played for the Yankees, the Rays. Ter- yes. You're right. Oh my goodness! You're what right. fun facts! Look Hold at on. you, Mike. I'm sorry. He played for he played for Baltimore in 2016. Um, wow! This he's is this is Toronto. guys. Hear hear this out. He played for these ALA these AL East teams in almost chronological order. He played for the Yankees in 2012, 2013 to 2015. He played with the Orioles. 
He played in Tampa Bay 2016, was dealt at the deadline to Baltimore in 2016. I'm pretty sure that was the year Baltimore almost made the playoffs. I want to yeah. say. Because wow. that was the year that Chris Davis and Trumbo were going off. And then he signed with Toronto in the offseason. He played there for two years until he got dealt this year to the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Incredible. And that was another thing I wanted to mention, too. We go back on what the uh, Red Sox and the Yankees did at the at the off se- at the, um, at the off season at the trade deadline in July. The Red Sox made these necessary moves to get them where they were, and it worked out in their favor. Stephen Pierce ended up being the World Series MVP, and Nathan Avaldi being lights out. Oh yeah, well, almost Nathan every- oh, yeah. huge. Yeah, he, he was, was huge. a huge yeah. signing to that. And granted, now you look at the Yankees too, and and they they got the guys who needed them to get to that where they were. They got Jay Happ. They brought in Zach Britton, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew McCutcheon, and all these guys. And they, those guys did help him out. But again, it just turned out that the Yankee, uh, the Red Sox, were just a more powerful team than the they Red were. Team. It just so that's what just so happened to me. And that that goes for the case for every team that made moves at the offseason line at the, during the offseason. I keep saying the offseason at, at the trade at the trade deadline. Yes, but they like the Yankee, the Yankees, the Red Sox just <laughs> added. They just added more fuel to their fire. They just and added just, more valuable pieces. Exactly. That's what I'm the, trying the to say. The pieces that they added had a be- bigger impact than the ones yes. the Yankees had. Okay, so yes. He's way smarter than me. He said it better. So, <laughs> quick news here before we transition out of baseball. Dodgers extend Kershaw three years, $93 million. Too much. Uh, but he is their franchise pitcher. Yeah. He, he's the best southpaw of this generation, I would say. He's uh, the best pitcher yeah. of this generation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yankees, Inc., Brett Gardner, a one-year deal. Realistically, he might be playing as a backup next season. He's getting up there in age. He's still a quick guy that you want to pinch run for you late in games. He can work counts very well. Yeah, smart base runner. Uh, he can be a spot leadoff guy maybe every third game. I think he's a great signing. But the big news here, guys, uh, the Mets, they hired Brody Van Wagnon. I don't want to spend much time on this. I want to spend about two minutes max. But Brody Van Wagnon, apparently a lot of people have mixed opinions on him already, but that's with any manager hiring. I've manager hiring. I think this is a good move for the Mets because he already talked about how uh, it's more about acting than saying stuff. It's more about your actions than what you talk to the media about. And I think that's a good mentality to have, and I hate Mike Francesca for doing this, but he asked me, do you think you have good players on your team? I mean, of course, Brody Van Wagner. He he can't come out and say no. No no one's going to say no. Francesca is a real jerk. He is. Yeah, big-time bad guy, Mike Francesco. I mean, great guy in person. Met him. Talked to him. Great Great guy. guy. Great guy in person. But on the radio, bad guy. But the more I think about this signing that the the Wilpons did, the more and more I'm liking it. At first, I wanted uh, Haim Bloom because, you know what, he has the Rays front office experience. He was the vice president of operations there, and that was the guy I wanted. This, This guy's an agent. He really didn't have... He doesn't have any front office experience. He, all he has is being uh, the the agent to these big name guys like Cano, uh, Degrom, and uh, Syndergaard, and Syndergaard. Right. So I wasn't really you know iffy, but you know what? He must have really wowed the Wilpons to be like, hey, this guy with no baseball front office experience is going to be our the newest GM of the New York Mets. So. I'm I'm gonna be I'm backing uh, Van Wagen or however you pronounce his name 100 percent and I really hope he does make all the right moves. Shout out Griffin Ward. Uh, yeah, socks and three did not happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> commenting on our Facebook live video, Dawes um, agreeing as well. But I will say this: I was not on board with High and Bloom. I'm glad they went Brody Van Wagen. Uh, 
my thing is I just think he is um, look he's like 30 years younger than Sandy Alderson was and I, I think he might be able to bring some good stuff to this team we'll see but Mike you love your Vegas facts 2019 yeah way too early 30 to 1 odds oh it's gotta take it with that pitcher stuff you gotta take it and I will like a clown so um, we'll see on that note we're gonna wrap up baseball and transition into our college football segment all right, so the big news here is Tua, Tua Valiola. That's how you pronounce it? No. It's close. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no no complaints because I don't know how to pronounce it either, but I know for certain that was not it. Well, uh, at least as the host of the show. Good It sounded, no, it sounded believable it sounded to me. Really, a for effort, Tom. A for effort. 25 touchdown passes, God. no interceptions. So good. Really? No so interceptions, good. and so he's a very good. humble guy too. Yeah, you know, and that's why Jalen Hurts is still sitting on the bench. Jalen wow. Hurts is sitting on the bench. He's not a quarterback. He's a running back. He stinks. I can't believe they won two national championships with him. They or did. went 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 two they new cha- two, went two two national championships with him. God, he stinks. Yeah, he stinks. He just he doesn't, doesn't stink. He's just not a quarterback. Yeah, not, which is which you can get away with in college football. Yeah. And he doesn't throw interceptions. Griffin either. Ward with a hot take: Notre Dame winning the national championship. Oh, what a I agree take. with Griffin <laughs> Ward. Uh, look. Realistically, two of the top four teams are playing each other this weekend, and Notre Dame's not one of them. So you know one of them is going to drop out at the end of this weekend. If Alabama loses this weekend, they're not going to drop to number four. They'll probably drop to like five or six, and then probably earn their way back in like they did last year. But I don't think they're going to lose. I think they're going to beat LSU despite being on the road. I think they. I think they're going to kill them honestly. To be honest with you, because this defense, besides Greedy Williams, you know you have some linebackers and some defensive ends up front, but Tua is just so accurate. On top of his touchdowns, he's just so accurate. He's so good. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, I mean, I don't really see a lot of mistakes coming into his future. And, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think that it's almost a guaranteed win for Alabama. Well, let's see. The current rankings for the top ten in college football, ignore what I have down because that's, yeah, I that's was gonna last com- week. I was going to complain about Ohio State not being ten on the sheet. So, so well, they're at number eight right now. Uh, we gotta. We actually got to use the college football playoff rankings so um the top four in order alabama clemson lsu notre dame followed by michigan and georgia oklahoma number seven washington state jumps up to eight after their surprising victory last week can kentucky finds their way into the top 10 at number nine i love benny snow and ohio state is at number 10 yeah mike how do you feel about washington state and kentucky ranked above ohio state what do you hey mike what do you think about that I mean, you know, they should be as of right now because Ohio State hasn't beat up Michigan yet. They will. So we'll see. Ooh. That's going to be a good game. I can't wait for that game. You see what Tommy Mack just said? It's be a good game. No, I didn't. Wow. No one is beating Alabama this year. Hand the championship over. Tommy's now. a smart man. Kyle Russo. He's a smart man. <laughs> Kyle Russo. He's a smart man. Really? He's a smart man. No, I'm not questioning that he's a smart man. I'm questioning his pick for Alabama. There's nothing to question there. I mean, it's almost a guarantee. How is there nothing to question? They're playing LSU this weekend on the road. They're going against uh, teams like Clemson, who has a Look, freshman to, quarterback to starting in there with Trevor Lawrence, so anything could happen. To be fair, the, the NCAA is in with Nick Saban. Alabama's the only team that can realistically lose a game, maybe even two, yeah. and still find their way into yeah. the college football playoff. And it is a little biased, I think. No, without a doubt. But at the end of the day, they have built themselves up to the point where in their program that they have that leisure and have that privilege. If they blow out LSU this weekend. Oh, guaranteed. I will say Alabama is nearly untouchable. 
Yeah. Oh, I won't say that at all. They were untouchable in 2014 until Ohio State beat them. They were untouchable two well, years ago. Is so Ohio State going to have that opportunity? There, no. No, but another team might. There, there is no road. There, there's a clear road. Oh, it's on the God. GPS and everything. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's <laughs> I'm sorry. There's there is no miracle oh, yellow brick road no, to there's follow. Wide, there's a wide open road. Well, I mean, no this is, ahead. but no, but to go off what you guys keep saying, this, really? is, this is Alabama's first test, course. real test all year. It that is, is true. It I mean, they, true. they haven't played anyone good. Yeah, they played Texas A&M, but that was te- that's Texas A&M. I mean, but this is their real first, like, top top ten opponent that they are playing right. in LSU. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they can actually do tomorrow. And I'm going to say this. The reason why I think Alabama may win by a blowout is because, yes, they beat Georgia by 20 points last week, but then LSU lost to Florida the week before, 27-19 to on the road, yeah. which is always a tough matchup, don't get me wrong, but... Yes, the 20-point win over Georgia gives them a lot of momentum because uh, that was two weeks ago, actually. Three weeks ago, they lost to Florida. But um, if LSU wants any type of consideration in this college football playoff, I think they have to win out. And yeah. I think they have to beat Alabama. They, obviously, they have they, to. obviously, they have to yeah, beat you Alabama. Can't put, That's the you only can't, way that they... they the I mean, the not, important thing here is they are home, and that is huge. If they're, yeah. if they're on the road, I'd agree with Kyle Russo full-heartedly and Tommy Mack saying this is an easy blowout, but... You never know. And I don't even think it's going to be a blowout. I, I just think that at the end of the day, I mean, I just think Alabama, hands down, is the better team without a question. Sure. I mean, and at the end of the day, not – when you look at this Alabama team, even if they're playing terrible teams, they're still beating teams by like 30-plus points a game. Right. I mean, so at the end of the day, even if you do have a good defense, which LSU does – I mean, they're still going to put up huge numbers on you. It's a matter of the offense of LSU being able to compete. Well, other big news here, UCF drops out of the top ten, which I think is pathetic, to be completely that's honest not, with That's you. not right. It's I, not. It is not. It, it really isn't right. It, it really isn't. They get no respect. No respect. Look, I'm sorry. They're the real national champs. They, if you, they, they were the real national champs last year in my book. But, look, if you have Notre Dame ranked at number four, how is UCF not even in the top ten? I understand Notre Dame has played ranked opponents, and they've done a good job, but UCF does not play exactly in a power conference either. It's true. And also, just to go back to Alabama, Vegas says 14-point Alabama favorites. Just to, So that could be a blowout. Yeah. And also, I don't know, man. I, I don't – UCF, you know, they barely beat Temple last night. Get out of here. That, that's what you I You know, think. I'm looking at this top 25 ranking. You know what, in my – my day of being a college football fan, I don't think I would have ever saw Washington State, Kentucky, Syracuse, Syracuse yeah. Fres- and Fresno State all in the top 25. Syracuse is ranked for the first time since 2001. Jesus. Uh, and, oh, hold on. You, you, you're, you're saying, Mike, to stick a fork in UCF, they scored 57 points last night. Yeah, I know. I had Temple plus 10.5. They won by 12. I know. I watched the game. But, <laughs> guys, I mean, they— well, we'll see. They play some decent we people are later guys. in the year. Confirm. Confirm. Like, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't <laughs> like you. I just Thank don't like their team. Validating that. We had Dawes. to clarify that. Yeah, I don't confirm. think the team likes you either, Dawes, but I doubt they do. Well, here's a team that I do like. Notre Dame beats Navy forty four to twenty two. The big news is that Notre Dame will be playing Navy in Ireland in two thousand twenty. Love it. That's, That's cool. gonna be a big game as we brought up last week. I love it. Uh, teams in the top ten that were upset, Texas upset by Oklahoma State, 38-35. to So Texas is virtually out, if you ask me, Yeah. Uh, with two losses now. Georgia over Florida. Washington State upsetting Stanford. 
Uh, Mississippi State over A&M, that was big. Penn State over Iowa, 30-24. to Northwestern beats Wisconsin, 31-17. Wisconsin has just had an awful year. And University of South Florida loses their first game. They were blown out 57-36 to by Houston. Um, yeah, so that leaves four unbeatens remaining. Four unbeatens remaining. We know who they are. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and UCF. And they're not even in the When was the last time UCF lost a game? I'm pretty sure it was 2016 because I know yeah, two years ago they, 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 they were not a very good team two years ago. Yeah. And then they jumped to 12-0, and which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the big news, obviously, Syracuse beat NC State last week. They're ranked for the first time since 2001. I think they clocked in at number 19 on the rankings. You know, if you want to know where Syracuse is, if you're tuning in to our show from different parts of the country, Syracuse is about four, four and a half hours north here from the LIU Post campus where we broadcast the show. Yeah, last time UCF lost was December 17th, 2016. Yeah. They lost to Arkansas State. And, Mike, I'm sorry, you were right earlier. UCF beat Temple 52-40 to last night. They scored 52 points, not 57. Big games here this weekend. Let's preview them quick. Number 19, Syracuse at Wake Forest. This is not an automatic win for Cuse. Wake Forest is very tough at home. They've had good players come out of their program into the NFL. This is a big game to watch. Number six, Georgia at number nine, Kentucky. That's going to be very interesting. Number 13, West Virginia. Now, West Virginia lost to an unranked team on the road recently, but they came back last week. They pummeled their opponent, and now they're at number 17, Texas. That's a good game to watch. If Will Greer and the Mountaineers have any hope or chance of getting into the college football playoff, they have to win out, and it starts right here this weekend. Um, Number 14, Penn State at number 5, Michigan. I hope Penn State wins this game so that they can kick Michigan out Notre Dame does not have to worry about them. Either Alabama or LSU loses this weekend, and then Notre Dame is basically guaranteed to move up to the three, regardless of who loses. I as long as they win. As long as they – well, yeah, they're playing Northwestern, which yeah, is but they're a only tough ten opponent. Point, they're only ten and a half points favorite. So I mean, we'll get to Notre Dame. And, really? Yeah. We'll Who's get all? to Notre Dame right now. That was my next game on the list. They're playing against Northwestern. Ian Book has been great this year. I think the reason why they're still unbeaten is the quarterback switch book to Winbush because you look – you know, the first game or two of the season, those games were a lot closer than you would like, and Wimbush was turning the ball over. That's part of the reason why Notre Dame's downfall last year, because Wimbush was turning the ball over. It, it was too much, and now they have a great back in Dexter Williams. Claypool is phenomenal. Miles Boykin loved watching those guys play. And then defense is led. You know, you got Coney, Drew Tranquil. Those guys are incredible. Chris, you know, as a big Notre Dame fan yourself, um, how realistic is it for Notre Dame to make the college football playoff right now? I think it's pretty strong looking at the rest of their schedule. No, I 100% agree with you, Tom. I mean, look, looking at the rest of their schedule, their toughest game right now is Syracuse on their schedule. It's coming in number uh, ranked number uh, 19. You know, coming down the road early on in the season, everyone, we were all, I was afraid of Florida State and USC, but that's not the case anymore now. No, yeah. That, Syracuse is not. I'm not afraid of Cuse anymore. They stink. I mean, I mean, not Cuse, uh, USC and Florida State. I'm not afraid of them either. But Cuse, I mean, they might be. They might give us the biggest problem. Those I mean, are still tough games. Still yeah. tough games, Florida yes. State. But I'm not afraid of them as much as I am Syracuse right now. Syracuse is on a tear. Fair enough. In all of college football, probably the highest team right now, coming being 19th ranked in the country, 
And but yeah, Notre Dame. I, I think it's very likely that this team wins out. Look, everyone's everyone's meshing together very well. The wide receivers, Christian Fink, Claypool, Miles Boykin, mm-hmm. even on the defensive side of the ball, that defensive line is nasty. It is. Uh, and I think yeah. I think Drew Tranquil is one of the better the the combination of Drew Tranquil and Tevon Coney one of the better um, linebacker combinations in in the country. Drew Tranquil might be the oldest player in college football. He might be. He's like twenty something. He's like twenty four years old. Clint, he's up there. He's our age. He's twenty three. I mean, your birthday is just, by the way. Happy early birthday, Chris. Yeah, four, four days. Woo. Chris will be twenty three. He will join me and Dogs. About time in the Jordan <laughs> in the Jordan year. Wow. Yeah, you know. You can't wait for him like that? Come on. No, no I get roasted all the time. All it's the fine. Time. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> There's one team, though, and this is up for discussion here quick. Oregon has dropped out of the top 25. In addition to Washington, a team Mike does pick as his way too early college football playoff pick. Yep. Uh, sorry, Mike. Um, but right. the, the big <laughs> news here is Oregon and Justin Herbert, I think more not just Herbert wanting to get his degree, but more experience and potentially lead his team to a playoff berth next season because you got to think um, the last big-name quarterback at Oregon really was Marcus Mariota. And now, I mean, Herbert, you got to think he wants to come back for his senior year to get another shot. I don't know, man. I mean, if he's going me, to stay. I know he's going to stay, but I don't think it's a smart decision. If if, I, if you're telling me well, that I get hold number on, one hold bias, on, hold, hold on. You want the Giants to go. Hold, no, I'm not even saying on. that. If you're, <laughs> if, if, if you're a Giants fan, it's not a smart decision. Of I think it's a smart decision coming from Genius a Giants decision. fan. I think he should go back to school. No, I, even, I, I, even, as a, even as a player in general, I mean, if you're telling me I'm like almost guaranteed number one overall pick, you know what t- kind of money that is? Why bet on yourself when you can't get any higher than that? You know, I'll make the example of when Jake Locker – was coming out of the draft. He was his junior. He was guaranteed the first overall pick. Guaranteed. I forgot who went number one that year, but he decided to stay in the stay into the um, draft until next year. Come back to college, and he ended up going ten overall to the Titans the following year. And his career ended up stinking. Now I don't know if that's a product of him staying in one more year or not, but. This is almost kind of like what Justin Herbert's d- doing right now. Right. No, that's not yeah, the yeah, that's not the argument. The argument is like why why bet on yourself? I mean, uh, knock on wood, God forbid anything happens to him injury season uh, next year if he decides to stay in Oregon. But you know, you have number one type of pick, uh, number one type of money at your hands. Why would why would you want to take that risk? I mean, the guy could be a complete bust. He has the money for life. But some people value. The quality, no, I, I see. The quality I see. of getting. I see why he wants to, a to bachelor's stay. college degree. Yeah, I know. Over life that. after football, and I, I don't. I don't blame the kid at all. No, I don't I blame him at, at all. At this point, you know, look back in the old day, that was what it was. People prioritize that, and to see a guy who's that talented value that and his experience as a college football quarterback more. Look, you can make the argument. Yeah, Chris, totally right. Jake Locker did kind of screw himself over by doing that, but if you Bring up an example like Deshaun Kaiser, a guy who went like top ten in the draft, and his career turned out to be his career's turning out to be really bad. If he stayed another year at Notre Dame, he would have helped out. But it's a little different here because Herbert is projected to go number one. So I think if you want to compare those two situations, right now it's more like Locker than Kaiser because he is projected to go number one, like well, Kaiser. Well, Kaiser wasn't no Kaiser was a second round not, pick, uh, not Kaiser Locker. But what's the comparison? 
the comparison is that Herbert is projected to go number one overall like Locker was. Kaiser yeah, was oh, not yeah, yeah. projected to go number one overall. I thought you were talking about Deshaun Watts because he was saying the 10th overall pick. No, yeah, no that um, was my mistake. I mean, I bet we'll get into this later when we talk about the Giants and Justin Herbert, but I'll, I'll yeah. say it now really quick. Do you want a guy, as Giant fans, do you want a guy who just got kicked out of the top, not kicked out, but dropped out of the top 25 leading your possibly – being your quarterback for the future, that is but it's so not his irrelevant. fault. It's not his fault. I mean, it's, it's, at the end of the day, you know, we talk about team sport, <laughs> and when you see the numbers that he's put up individually, it's pretty promising numbers. You know, if you don't necessarily have the talent around you, you can only perform as high as you can possibly elevate the team. Uh, Justin Herbert is actually being compared to Josh Allen, according to Tommy Mack. Oh, uh, well, I, that's a I don't Tommy. Really, is that a good I, thing? That is a bad. I don't like that. That I is a bad one. Somewhat disagree with that. Um, is that a size factor? Maybe Justin it's Herbert just is 6'6". the media Probably. portraying that light. Nah. But the last game we're going to talk about is quick here. Number seven, Oklahoma at Texas Tech. Uh, trap game for the Sooners, I think. Texas Tech. Red Raider Nation is strong. We know, Chris, we have buddies there that are going to be cheering on the Red Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be a big game as well. The last thing here, Quentin Nelson, the first offensive guard in NFL history to win Rookie of the Month. He wow. may be the best offensive lineman of this generation for the, oh, for the future. Oh I don't know. Joe Thomas was. Um, Joe Thomas. Pace. Joe Thomas yeah. was excellent. Orlando Pace. Of this or, generation. Of this generation. We're talking about like this. The new generation. The young core. The, the young core. The, the young core gen- I mean, look. We're talking about it's him. It's Brandon Scherf. It's, you know, a couple of other Trent guys. Williams. The you got Joe old. Thomas. I don't know if I'd put Trent Williams there yet. But I, anyway. But yeah, he's definitely listen. He's definitely proven himself. I'm I mean, sorry, there's but rookie of the month, like for an offensive lineman. I mean, come on, you're going up against guys like Saquon Barkley and all these quarterbacks. You got Calvin Ridley in there. You got Calvin all the Ridley with six, exactly, six yeah. touchdowns through the first five games. Yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, congratulations, Quentin Nelson. I yeah. love you. Well, I think it's the changing of the uh, Colts' offensive line is what's definitely separated him from others. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some New York Jets football. Stay tuned here. For review and preview on mywcwp.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Mike Dawes, Chris Klimazuski, Kyle Russo here in the studio. Um, excellent work in that first half hour, guys. We're going to transition to the New York Jets here, obviously coming off a tough loss, 24 to 10, to the Chicago Bears. Uh, go over that game in just a moment, but some good news. Elijah McGuire activated off injured reserve, uh, running back the Jets hoped would contribute this season, and now to add that to their uh, two-headed attack in Isaiah Crowell and, well, Blau Powell's out for the season now, right? So they're getting, oh, so it's kind of like an offsetting thing. So, you know, uh, good news, bad news there. What do you guys think of that? Um, I like that Elijah McGuire's coming back. We're getting a lot of the injury guys who are uh, coming back now. I mean, yeah, it's tough that we lost Bilal Powell at, for the rest of the season. But, I mean, look, this team, this Jets team is all about improving the whole season. We have a bunch of rookies on it. I mean, a bunch of young guys on this team, on defense and offense. I mean, last year we saw Elijah McGuire do very well for the time he did play in. And the running back coach for the Jets compared him to like how L- LaDainian Tomlinson runs the ball. Now, I know that's crazy, Whoa. and I thought it was crazy, too. I still think it is crazy. But, I mean, hey, if this is a coach saying this about a guy we drafted in the fifth round, I think, I believe, fifth or sixth round, then he must be he must be wowing people, especially to be on the IR all this season when he was, uh, like I said, a late-round draft pick. We could have easily cut him. 
like we did with Terrell Pryor when he got injured. But we held on to him for the factor that he can be he can be a dynamic football player and help out this Jets team. Yeah. Mike, we have a caller here. Uh, it was James trying to talk Giants. Told him to call back. All right, so we'll get back to James in just a few minutes. Um, oh yes. <laughs> yeah, laying down the law, Mike. So, um, yeah, no, I completely agree with you there, Clint. That's an excellent analysis. Uh, other skills players that are on the bubble for this weekend: uh, Quincy Anunua, Robbie Anderson. Will they play against Miami? Um, I thought I saw Anunua is out. Yeah, Noon was, uh, was officially out. Doubtful in Robbie doubtful, Anderson's yeah. game time. Okay. Yikes. That's big. No, you... they're, they're both questionable right now, what I'm reading. They, they both uh, yeah, got the questionable tag. So, yeah. look, this is obviously they need these guys because they're coming off a tough loss to the Bears. They've lost two straight since improving to 3-3. Three and three. They Remember, they they started 1-3. and three, They won two. Now they lost two. They're sitting at 3-5. and five. Obviously, this is kind of what you expected from the Jets in up-and-down season. Um, with the new rookie quarterback and Sam Darnold, uh, who's shown good flashes at times this season. I think he's been consistent for a rookie. Uh, his numbers this past week were not great, but it wasn't awful considering you're going up against you know a top-tier defense in Chicago that just recently acquired Khalil Mack in the offseason. Well, he um, didn't play in this game. Right, so. but still, they have yeah. other guys oh, yeah. on that team that complement him. Um, but I will say... Yeah, Darnold's numbers weren't great. 14-29, 153 yards, one touchdown. Completion percentage under 50. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's well, I mean, those are a little... Uh, in the Windy City. Yeah, and no one was open all game. I mean, it was... Every every replay they showed, everyone was being covered downfield. It was Bro, just... He yeah. was running for his life every play. It was, it was not good. Yeah, it was not a good game. And like we said, look, we've been riddled with injuries for this Jets wide receiver core. The number one wide receiver in this game was Deontay Burnett, who had four receptions? Game, who exactly? Who? USC. Yeah, no. Deontay Burnett was apparently Donald's guy at USC. He had four, four receptions, sixty-one yards, and the next guy in line behind him was was. No, I, I had no idea. <laughs> no, but that's the point I'm trying to make, though. I mean, look. I mean, yeah. Sam Donald, fourteen to twenty-nine, one hundred fifty-three yards in the one touchdown. Well, usually when you have a rookie quarterback coming in, they usually find a receiver that they like that they gel with, yeah. and they usually use him a lot. And for for Sam Darnold, I mean, I think that guy was Anunwa. You know, once that it's guy goes down, Inunua. it's like a deer in headlights. So at the end of that, especially when literally all your receivers are down, I mean, your only starting receiver here right now is Jermaine Curse. Yeah, yeah, he got hurt that game You're right. yeah. twice. You're right. Yeah, and you saw it with, with when Anun was in there. I mean, it gives them Sam Darnold the options to throw to guys like Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse and even yeah. Terrell Pryor when he was on the team too. Yeah. You get, he he had options to throw to, but he always knew that Quincy Noon was there. He was like Sam Donald's safety net. And you take that out of the equation, and it kind of, it, like you guys said, it's like a deer in headlights. Yeah. And, I mean, even as even as Jets fans, I'm, I, I would be still happy with this game considering the fact that at the end of the day, you know, for a guy like Donald, yeah, he didn't complete a lot of his passes. I mean, he didn't complete on almost half of them. But at the end of the day, he didn't throw any picks against a dominant defense in Chicago. Yeah. So that's something to look – I mean, at least he's improving. Yeah, he in, in that sense of the game. He continues. Yeah, he continues to like it not grow as like his skill wise, but he, he looks smarter on the field every time he touches the ball. Mm-hmm. He looks like he knows what he's doing. He's taking care of the ball better. It seems like, and that's all we can ask from Sam Darnold. I mean, look, we're not going to ask him to th- go out and throw three hundred yards every game. Mm-hmm. But all we all we ask as Jet fans is if can we see improvement from this guy, and that's what we are seeing. So that's right. all we can literally ask for. 
So, more news on the Jets uh, and the Bears game. Mitchell Trubisky had an excellent game. Um, 16 to 28, 220 and two touchdowns, but more importantly, 51 yards on the ground. Yeah, all every yard was a killer. Tell talk about his second year experience, and you know, is this a guy that um, can potentially lead his team to the playoffs yeah. this season? Oh, I definitely think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was a rookie last year. A lot of people forget about this guy because he kind of flies under the radar because he's not a big name talent. Nobody really talks about him, but you know, he had a successful college career, and now he's starting for an excellent franchise in the Chicago Bears. They, you know, the first franchise, and I know they, they were known as the St. Louis Cardinals, I think, back then or something like that or whatever they were. But the Chicago Bears, look, this is the franchise that has been in the NFL forever, and to call yourself the starting quarterback of that franchise is a great honor. And I think he's – he, didn't he have six touchdowns one one game? He did. Recently? Yeah, versus the Bucks, I think. Yeah, and then they, they came out um, and – they beat the Cardinals back in September. They beat. They won several games. And they almost beat the Patriots. They I mean, did. They like did. literally one yard away from tying the game. It's true. Um, yeah. In this game, though, the Jets had just 207 yards of offense. Um, look, not having Terrell Pryor on your team anymore, I think part of the problem was the Jets underused Terrell Pryor. They didn't use him the way he should have been de- deployed. I mean, part of it, you have a Nunwa Anderson – and curse it's hard to get all four of those guys an equal amount of reps but um he was a weapon and i, I think was. that was a Huge mistake i think that was a mistake on the jets part under using him and now he has a new home in buffalo he even quoted it himself i felt underused with the jets he's right i mean former buckeye yeah come it's on, on. It's man, right man. yeah no, but yeah, he. I definitely think he was underused, and I think that was going to happen to one of these wide receivers coming into the Jets this year. Look, you had four wide receivers who, who all had great potential and all were great it, at, within the past like two to three years. Right. You had a Nunwa in 2016 have that 800 uh, yard season last year. You had Robbie Anderson 900 yards last year as well. Jermaine Curse uh, 800 yards. And two years ago, you had Terrell Pryor get a thousand yard season. So someone was going to get lost in this mix, and it was un- it's unfortunate that it happened to be Terrell Pryor because I did like the ac- when the Jets signed him. I was like, oh my gosh, we have a dominant wide receiver core now, and right now it's not looking like that. What was the reason for even cutting him? I mean, is it really that well, much? He about- was he was injured, and they couldn't keep him on the roster. Whatever anymore. happened to Chad Hansen too? Oh, he got cut. He oh, got cut too. But we another. kept Sharon Peak though, guys. We got Sharon Peak. He's pretty. And bad. you guys signed Rashawn Matthews too. Don't worry. We'll see him. We'll probably see him this week. Yeah, so be more the uh, the Jets are going to be playing the Miami Dolphins this weekend. Um, my brother and his friends are actually going down to Miami for the game. Awesome. Um, nice. They are in Florida right now as we speak. Um, but what are your predictions for this game and the Jets this week? Because um, this is obviously a winnable division game. Hey, didn't they beat the Dolphins earlier this season? No. No, no they haven't played you Miami knew, yet. No, no they, they have. You knew you knew we lost to him. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's that, that's too. right. That was the trap game. You knew that. My 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 maybe I was I saw I, I was the one who man. said they were going to lose that game. I knew it. But this one, I don't know, man. I think either the Jets will win in a tight game or just get completely blown out. Yeah. I think the Jets have to win this game. Wow, you, you, you can't think? you can't get swept by they have the to. Dolphins. They have I mean, to. especially when Tannehill's not even playing. You have Brock Osweiler behind. Man, he hasn't been playing bad either. You know, yeah, yeah. Been, well, last year's time. Right, last but week's here's time. my thing: the Dolphins' defense is mightfully struggling, guys, and the Jets should be able to somewhat take advantage of them, especially and their run with guys game. and their run game. Yeah, 
I suppose Crowell should have so. an outstanding no, game. No, I think, yeah. yeah, Sam's going to be back in his element now. Like, the past two weeks he was in the cold for the first time, really. I mean, I know that's no excuse, but still. He's got he's to gotta learn to adapt to that. I think playing in New York now, he'll, he'll finally learn, but he's going back. He's going down to sunny Miami, being that hot weather. Right. And he saw this Miami defense once. I don't think... The yeah, same. I don't think the same mistakes are going to happen again. And oh. that was week two, as is uh, and is starting his first game at MetLife Stadium as a Jet. Exactly. So, I mean, that's a. There's I mean, a lot. You it, can't look at that game. Here's the problem: the Jets have the 13th ranked rushing attack in the NFL, but they have the 25th ranked passing attack. I think they have to rely on Isaiah Crowell. This guy has five touchdowns, almost 500 yards on the season. That's credit to their offensive line. They've been a lot better than people have thought. They got to use this to their advantage in this game and attack Miami because look, you look at Sam Darnold. You're going on the road. You have the most interceptions in the NFL. You have 11 touchdowns, but you also have 10 interceptions. You can't make costly mistakes in this game. This is a game where I think he needs to manage and rely on the running game and take your shots when necessary. I don't think Darnold needs to go out there and throw 40 passes. This is a game where you can live with 25 to 30 passes and find a way to win. Yeah, this is like a game manager type game, like you said. Like they need to control the game with the run. And if they don't, they have to throw it 40 times, and they'll probably lose. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, especially now with the running game, it's with Trenton Cannon being probably the second-string running back right now. Ugh. I know, exactly. That's what I'm saying. They're going to have to rely on Corral a lot they in this are. game. And he's, he's kind of hurt. He, last week, he looked he not is. 100% at all. Yeah. So, hopefully, with this McGuire depth, Though, help out. Darnold does lead all rookies in passing yards and touchdown passes. I mean, there's not much competition right now besides Baker Mayfield, but, you know, because uh, Ro- Ro- Rosen has been gosh-awful and Josh Allen has been hurt so with his shoulder. But I will say this, Miami's defense, the last five games, they've averaged 33 points per game against them. This is something mm-hmm. the Jets should easily take advantage of yeah. if they're a hot start. That's why, th- remember, Miami was 3-0. And now what are they? They're they're four and four. They've lost four out of their last five. There's a reason why. Look, Tannehill has never been able to been healthy his entire career. That's part of the problem. They need a quarterback. They do. They need a quarterback. Look, Miami is four and four. Maybe they're in a position to trade with the Giants if they want to trade back this year to get a guy like Will Greer or somebody. Because realistically, with, with Herbert not coming out, Will Greer is probably the next best option at quarterback. Yeah. To be completely honest with you. Yeah. Uh but on that note, uh, any final thoughts here on the Jets? And let's uh, let's pick this game as well. Um, I just hope they can move this ball in Miami because, you know, watching that Bears game, they, they did nothing on offense. It was very frustrating to watch right? yeah. offensively. You Agreed. Just, yeah, you, it was very, it was yeah. very like, boring Yeah, because it wasn't really exciting. Well like, the Jets couldn't get anything on, yeah, the, on the ground. Like three yards of well play. said That's because, terrible. you know, Jets football can be boring at times. Probably. Yeah, but usually when it's boring – it's sometimes good. It's like they're running the ball, playing defense, punts all day. But no, but at the end of the day, you're going from a, you're going from a defense's top five to a defense that's bottom three. Around yeah, the horn I mean, here, Miami. guys. Clem, you go. I'm going to take the Jets. I'm going to say uh, 24-20. Kyle, why you got to be disgusted at everything I'm going to say, say the Jets 17-14. Ugh, these are gross games. Dawes. I'm going to say... Uh, Jets twenty eight to twenty four. Basically, oh, that's not gross. That's, that's, that's not, not gross. gross. No, it is gross. It's gonna be a gross game. Jets fourteen ten. You know what? No, no, no. I'm gonna be different. Dolphins thirty one. Jets seventeen. Good lord. You're the worst guy in the locked. Room. Lock it in. 
31-17. You know, he's going to text me later and be like, I shouldn't have picked that. No, because, <laughs> I don't know. It's got to be different. I, I just see it coming. Does. He's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. <laughs> <laughs> Completely right. Shout out Jason Glickman for watching our video here. We appreciate you. Awesome. And good luck tomorrow up at Southern. Um, all right. Um, 7.52. Um, let's review some of last week's NFL games and our picks. Uh, first off, our picks, Dawes. Um, your lock was Oakland. Oh, my. Yikes. Who did they? They played the Colts, I believe. Yeah. What were you thinking? I wasn't thinking. That was the problem. And there. then your upset was <laughs> the Rams were underdogs? Oh, no, no, no. Week? That was the switch. My oh, upset it was, was switched. The... Your upset was Oakland. Your lock was the Rams. So you were one for two? Uh, okay, I picked New England as my lock. I was right. Jacksonville is my upset over Philly. I was mightfully wrong. Kyle Russo, you picked Cleveland as your lock. Yikes. That That's yikes worthy. And Listen, you picked man. the Saints as your upset, and they beat Minnesota. They did. Yeah. On the road. They were underdogs. James Montefusco picked Kansas City as his lock. He was correct, and he picked Green Bay as his upset. Almost. He got Almost. screwed with that game. So nobody goes undefeated. Goes undefeated this week. We all split. All right. Um, you know, it's funny. James actually picked Houston at his, as his team of the week last week. You know, you'd think he would have picked him for his game. Come on, James. <laughs> all right, so. Um, let's review some other games from last week. Quick here, um, look, this was a weird week in the NFL. We obviously talked about the Giants and the Jets. Well, we'll talk about the Giants a little later, uh, losing their game. But uh, we talked about Philly and Jacksonville. Um, Eagles now 4-4, four and four, Jacksonville 3-5. and five. Guys, this is very bad for two teams that were in the Final Four last year. I mean, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Jacksonville should have been in the Super Bowl. If it wasn't for that late-game surge in the fourth quarter, Eagles win 24-18. Did Jacksonville score a touchdown in this game? I don't think they did. Yeah, they did. They did? D.D. Westbrook. Okay, yeah, no, no, you're right. That was the one touchdown they scored late, and then they went on, and I think they missed the extra point or something with Lambeau. But anyway, Carson Wentz has a 115-plus passer rating now in four straight games, so you know crystal clear what the issue is. The defense is buns. Well said, Tom. Well said. <laughs> definitely well said. <laughs> the defense is, is just old. Runs. If you look at that defensive front, it's it consists of a lot of older guys. You got Fletcher Cox in there, Michael Bennett, Chris Long. I mean, they're just old guys. And then Derek Barnett went down early in the season. He, I'm pretty sure he's still not back. And on top of that, with an offensive line like they have, you know, to lose a guy like Jay Ajahi for the year, and, you know, you have a guy, Notre Dame guy, Josh Adams, as your starting running back in this game. I mean, he played pretty well, but again, this is—I mean, this is going to be your weakness going on. Uh, look, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't. Their defense. Is I don't know about that. Playoffs. Stop. Thank really? you, Dennis Green. Um, <laughs> look, well, I really do think Washington is going to win this division. Yeah. Let's I agree. get to their game. They beat the Giants twenty to thirteen. This is their best start since two thousand eight. Props to them. We'll analyze it more a little bit later. Um, that's our most heated part of the show. Uh, Kansas City beats Denver. Pittsburgh beat the Browns 33-18. to There was a stat that James Conner is making like 34000 a week. He, he is so much more worth it than oh Le'Veon my. Bell at this point. Oh, Two-plus rushing touchdowns oh. in three straight games. That's the first running back in Pittsburgh history to do that. If you're Pittsburgh, part ways with Bell. 
He yeah. clearly doesn't want to be there. Why didn't they, why didn't they trade him? That was James Conner. They, they couldn't because he crack. wasn't eligible. Cause he didn't, if he came back week seven, he would have been eligible, apparently. It's on Twitter. Oh. This, honestly, okay. was, you know, Pittsburgh is now 4-2-1. and one. Uh, They played the Browns twice, so they're already done with the Browns. They Them and the Browns tied in week one, I think. so, uh, Or week two. I don't remember. I think it was week one. Uh, but anyway, Cleveland, 2-5-1. and one. Uh, Look, Baker Mayfield, this has been a, an inconsistent campaign, but you can't really put too much pressure on him yet. The kid's just a rookie. He's, you know, he's fresh. But, you know, this was a game where I thought the Browns' defense could have played better because that's what was carrying them so far this season. And, you know, the bright part of this game is Nick Chubb and Antonio Callaway, two young players. Chris, I know you're a big Nick Chubb guy. Uh, 18 carries, 65 yards, and he had two catches as well. I mean, what do you think of Nick Chubb? Uh, do you think him and maybe a guy like Duke Johnson, you know, can they be a solid one-two punch? Um, I've never liked Duke Johnson. I don't think he's going to be anything good. I still don't think he's anything good. But Nick Chubb, on the other hand, I think he is the real deal. He was one of my favorite running backs coming into this draft. He was the guy I thought the Giants should have drafted in the second round. Or maybe of... you should have drafted so you didn't lose to me in fantasy last week. <laughs> yeah, <I> was... <laughs> but, no, I like Nick Chubb. I think he's going to flourish in this league. Big word. Big word, yeah. Oh, I mean, look, man. he did have an injury last year and it caused his draft stock to drop. But I think he will do very good in this league in due time. You give give him a good offensive line in front of him, yeah. and he'll he'll perform. Yeah. When it comes back to the Browns, I just think the dumb move that they made was Carlos Hyde trading him away. Well, I mean, I think the one-two punch of Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde, look, I mean, that, that, that could potentially help them win games rather than Kyle lose. Russo, let's face it, the Hugh Jackson project is done. He got fired. Yeah. So did offensive coordinator Todd Haley. Stunned. Gone. Actually. And gone. They're After stunned. a 2 5 and 1 start, defensive coordinator Greg Williams takes over as the interim head coach. Oh, I, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame Hugh Jackson. You know, he, he, no. he was dealt the tough hand. Well, you know, to, to, only be, no, to only be dealt, to be really given six games, really, as the Cleveland head coach with a, a team that could actually put together a performance in which they could win. A team in which they can win. You thought he got unfairly fired? He was three thirty-six and one. The guy—I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if you guys saw it, but did you know that his mom and his brother died within the like a span of two weeks during the season? Did you see that? No. Okay. Mm. You know, Seems as a like, person, no. As a personal, when you have a personal loss, it affects your work. Yeah. I mean, that's bottom line. The fact. He's not a good coach, dude. He's. I don't think he's a bad coach. He, he, here's my, here's my take on it. Look, I don't think he's a bad coach. I know he's a bad coach. I don't think he should have got fired this season. I think you should have played him out the rest of the season. Yeah. If you wanted to fire him at the end of the season, that's when you do it. Because, look, you gave you brought this man in with the one-end, what, 35 record? What was it? Something like that? I think so, he, obviously, yeah. you're yeah. You, obviously, obviously you're going to be invested into this guy this season. You Look, you drafted all these rookies. You made all these moves to bring in Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, Carlos Hyde. You draft Denzel Ward. You drafted Baker Mayfield. You drafted Nick Chubb to work with Hugh Jackson. And now 
whatever Hugh Jackson just taught these young guys, no. and and whatever Todd Haley taught these young guys, is thrown out the door. Yep, good. They're probably terrible coaches. That's why they got fired. First no. off, Hugh Jackson never should have been brought back this year. That's what I'm saying too. Either you should have never let him start. Then I mean, if you're gonna, that's point. what I'm if saying. If you're gonna let him, if you're gonna let him play six games, you might as well let him finish out Ex- the season. Exactly. That's really bad. Get him out now. I mean, if anything, you're stunting the growth of your new rookie developing players. I mean, especially but, a guy like Baker Mayfield. Yeah, but what was the point of bringing him back then? You go, go two five and one. Yeah, I understand it's a bad record, but it's the Browns and what you're dealt with. Okay? Yeah, especially as a as a GM and Dorsey, a, a smart guy who came over from Kansas City. You don't allow, especially with your franchise quarterback, you wouldn't allow Hugh Jackson to even touch him unless you really believed in him and right. to only give him six games. Not even six games because he didn't even play six That's games. That's the point I'm making. I, no, Dawes, I agree with you. He's a bad coach. But either hi, fire him at the beginning of the season or fire him at the end of the season. Right. This doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to be like, okay, we're going to trust Hugh Jackson and we're going to fire him after six games. I mean, right. Um, quick other games. One thing we forgot to talk about, the Chicago Jets game. Tariq Cohen had six touches just six touches for 110 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. He was the focal point of the Bears' offense in this game. He needs more than six touches. Well, he had, a 70, he had a 70-yard run. Uh, also, um, catch, right? he's a phenomenal player. Well, yeah, no doubt. Um, quickly, I gave a stat last week that said the last five Cleveland head coaches got fired after the Pittsburgh game. You're right. And now another one, six in a row, yep. fired after the Steelers game. As soon as they lost, I'm like, I thought of that. It's a crazy stat. Connor Sheehan, shout out to you uh, watching our Facebook Live video. We were talking about your Red Raiders just a couple minutes ago. Hey, Connor. I miss uh, you. Yeah. All the way from Texas. We appreciate you. Uh, the Carolina Panthers The Carolina Panthers defeated the Baltimore Ravens. Cam Newton now has two touchdown passes or more in the last six games. Bengals beat the Browns, a game that Jameis Winston got benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, the Bucks, yeah, beat the Bucs. Uh, yeah. The GOAT. Winston had four picks. Fitzpatrick almost led them to a comeback. The final score yeah. was 37-34. Tampa Bay is 3-4. and four. They're, they're not out of this. They're, I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs, but realistically, right now, they're not out of this. The issue was the 20-point second quarter for Cincinnati. They outscored them 18-3 to in the fourth Yeah. Uh, with Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Doesn't that tell you something? Fitzpatrick has been notorious throughout his career to be a very special player in small Samples. When he's hot, he's like ridiculously hot. But when he's cold, he just—I mean, when you look at Fitzpatrick, not only Fitzpatrick, but you look to a guy like Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Deshaun Jackson was requesting a trade. I don't know if you—I mean, obviously you guys had to have seen that. I mean, he wasn't requesting a trade when Ryan Fitzpatrick was his quarterback. So I think when you really look at this Buccaneers team for the future, I mean, is Jameis Winston going to be their guy? Because no. you know Ryan Fitzpatrick is no. what thirty-six years old. Well, they're going to draft a quarterback in the next couple of years because Winston is clearly not the answer. Maybe even as soon as next year because I don't Winston think they picked up his fifth-year option. Picks. I mean, look, he's four years into the league now, and he's still playing at a poor level. Yeah. And uh, with his attitude behind him, it doesn't oh, yeah, help no, either. He's just an awful player on and off the field. Uh, Mike Evans, uh, you see his post-game interview, by the way. I mean, it, it's it's a typical answer. There is nothing special about it. Who, uh, Mike Evans or no, James Winston? Uh, James Winston. Oh, what he Mike Evans balled out. Six catches, a buck seventy-nine, and a touchdown. Adam Humphreys, seven catches, 76 yards. The Bucks have one of the best offenses in the in the NFL. And Jameis Winston can't flourish. Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, Mike Evans, Adam Humphreys, Chris Godwin. These are guys that are very good. And the emergence of Peyton Barber. Yeah, and they also drafted. 85 uh, yards and a touchdown this They game. also drafted, I think it was uh, Ronald Jones. They did. Well, he got in hurt, the second right? round. Yeah. yeah. But still, I mean, that's, that's a ton of weapons that you should be able to flourish with. Yeah. Um... Other games here to go over. Uh, well, Joe Mixon was the storyline. Uh, two touchdowns for him. He was great. 
Seahawks beat the Lions. Their rushing attack has been insane. Detroit dro- drops the three and four. Shout out to Pete Carroll in Seattle. This was thought to potentially be the start of a rebuild here in Seattle, and to be four and three, you're back in the race for a wild card spot. Yeah, Seattle is four and three. Who would have thought that at this point? I did. I told you guys in the beginning of the season, man. Russell Wilson single handedly could carry a team on his back, and that's what he's been doing. Honestly, yep. uh, the, the guy runs the ball, throws the ball, and, and has he even had Doug Baldwin. How many games has Doug Baldwin played? Not many. I mean, he threw a touchdown last week to a guy. What's his name? Something Moore. Yeah. Not DJ Moore. DJ Moore's on Carolina. Well, I think it's David Moore. David or something. David like that, Moore. Yeah. I mean, he's throwing. He's connecting with guys that he's playing with for the first time. Um, the last two games we're going to go. Obviously, New England blew out Buffalo uh, yeah. on Monday night. The Saints and the Vikings on Sunday night football. Thielen now has eight 100-yard receiving games. Phenomenal, but the Vikings lose thirty to twenty. Thielen has the NFL record. He broke Megatron's record. That goes to show you the kid's a stud. This year, he's the best receiver in football. Isn't eight tied with Megatron? I'm pretty sure eight is tied with Megatron. Uh, nine is he that? has? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, eight is tied with Megatron. Eight is tied, but that that is the NFL record. Eight. Yeah. So he has a chance to break it this week. Yeah. And the other game, the Rams and the Packers, excellent game. Rams improved to eight zero. Uh, that's only the second time they've been eight zero in franchise history. They beat the Packers by two points. This was a very competitive game. Packers now 3-3-1, and they're in trouble because their division is tough. The NFC is tough. Uh, Teams on a bye. You had Atlanta, the Chargers, the Cowboys, and the Titans. Uh, Last couple of things here before we get to our team of the week. Uh, Dominique Rogers-Cromarty retires from the NFL and the Oakland Raiders at the age of 32. And Patrick Mahomes now for Kansas City, seven straight 300-yard games. Chris, remember kids we, stud. I, I mean, thought he was going to be bad, Chris. Yeah. Okay, so. Okay, yeah, I'm wrong, okay. Well, to be fair, Alex Smith is 5-2 and two with Washington yeah. with no weapons. So yeah. there you go. Um, so you can make your argument there. Um, but who is the clear front runner for MVP right now? I think the top two guys that come to your mind are Pat Mahomes and Adam Thielen. I wasn't no. even thinking. I was thinking. I'm th- I was thinking Todd Gurley. I think I was, I was talking Gurley. You're, th- you're thinking Todd Gurley over those two? I think it'll be too hard really? for Adam Thielen to even compete in those guys. I, I mean, definitely. He's uh, balling out. I mean, I don't. But at the end of the day, you have defensive guys that could p- compete for MVP. I mean, you have Don- uh, Aaron Donald already has ten. Okay, sacks. but you're you're not saying that Thielen and Mahomes are the top two? No, I don't think so. I think. I mean, really? is he is he in discussion for MVP? Yeah, but I mean, when you see the numbers that Todd Gurley's putting up, you see the numbers that. You know, I hate when under the radar players get no respect. They they get none. Well, that's you know yeah. what I you know what it is. It's that's for, that's a biography of Adam Thielen's career. He came out of he was undrafted out of Minnesota out of a local college in Minnesota. Didn't even get an invite to the combine, and look what he's making of himself. I think it's very close right now between the three between Mahomes, Thielen, Gurley. and Gurley. Yeah. You can make you can make an argument for who should be the MVP right now. I mean, we are halfway through the season. You can make an argument for who's the MVP. I'm just going to say personally, Todd Gurley. What he's doing on the field is flat out amazing. If I had to pick a two, uh, I'd probably be it'd probably be Thielen. But really? again, I, but oh, again, it's it, it's all it's all right here. For Facebook viewers, it's Gurley, Thielen, and then Mahomes right there. Those, we got we got visual those examples hand movements here on the bottom part visual of your examples. screen, folks. Yeah, I know, but that it's really right there. You could literally make an argument for anyone there. In just my personal opinion, that's who I think is my top three right now. Okay, top of the hour. We're going to do our team of the week, then we're going to take a break. We're, co- we're going to come back with trades and then preview the games. Um, let's get to our team of the week, Dawes. All right. 
I took the, of course, Yikes. Immortal, uh, Amazing, uh, <laughs> Sacramento Kings. I like are did you just call them Immortal? I did. Oh, oh yeah. I thought I heard you say that. I'm like, wait, you heard it right. Six Love and three. Uh, yeah, I don't know that Five in a row. Five in a row. Yeah, they let up 120 points a game, but they score 125 <laughs> a game. It doesn't matter when you win. It doesn't matter. There are six and three. They'll probably win 33 games now instead of 28, and I'm ecstatic. Team in a week. The only time I could ever do this. For the Aaron teams. Fox, second youngest player besides LeBron James, to have a triple-double with 30 points. Kyle Russo, oh, yeah. team, you know team of the week. You didn't know that? No, no. I'm going to go simple here. I'm just going to go with Boston. I'm just going to go with Boston. At the end of the day, you know, four World, World Series since 2004. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's truly ridiculous. I mean, and just what they were able to do with this team this year. I mean, all really new guys. J.D. Martinez new, signed late. Steve Pierce acquired in June. Nathan Avaldi acquired late. Then you have Alex Cora, first-time manager. I mean, it's just. I mean, this team is, this team is set for a long time. And validating, validating this 108-win season with a World Series championship. Mm-hmm. So, team of the week, Boston Red Sox. Mike, did you know the Kings are actually on a five-game winning streak as well? Yeah, I believe yeah, I said yeah, that. You said that. Starting one and three. You said that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Thank awesome. you, Kyle. Immortal. Obvious choice, Clint. Um, can I pick two teams? No. <laughs> Are you let's the host? Quick, 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 let's, quick. Let's, oh, let's first, first off, I'm going to say team of the week for, on a personal standpoint, is the LA Post Pioneers. They're playing phenomenal football. I, I, don't I know like if, that. I like that. No, I don't know if I you like guys that. are actually watching or playing with these games, paying attention to what the I'm they're listening. actually doing this year. Like you know, I do. I'm coming with you tomorrow. I know. I know, Tom, I know Tom's paying attention, but for you two, I don't know if you guys are actually paying attention, but Post is ranked 17th in the nation right now. They have... One of the best defensive ends in the nation. He's second. He's second ranked in uh, sacks with eleven and a half. They have the second best cornerback in the le- in all Division two football, who has six uh, six interceptions on the season. I mean, look, this t- this Pioneers football team is very, very good and very good defensively as well. But on a real team standpoint. I'm whoa, gonna whoa whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I, I, I meant whoa. like I meant like professional you know, team. The doors out there. I meant like oh professional team. Whoa. I'm gonna go with the Islanders. Ew, They're on a four-game winning streak. Four of those, two of those wins coming against the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Penguins, okay, and in dominating fashion too in these past couple of games. They wanted a shootout versus Pittsburgh. Oh, they really dominated, though. You're right. It, I'm sorry. I just they won like six that. to three against Pittsburgh one night, and they did beat the um, the Flyers the, um, last week. So, all right. May, and major wins. Josh Bailey's looking good. Nick Letty's looking good. Matt Barzell's being Matt Barzell right now. Anders Lee, very good. They had some great acquisitions. The new goalie. Love and Barry Trotz. Yeah. Love and Barry Trotz. I so remember Nazir Streeter, the cornerback for the LIU Post Pioneers was on Sports Center. Uh second top play. Yeah, second play. That was one great highlight. It was on our homecoming shirts this year. I saw that on Sports Center Saturday morning a couple weeks ago and I was like, Oh my is that LIU Post? Getting the I mean Mike our our call, me and Jason's call was way better than what they had on ESPN, but that's just besides the point. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I heard your call, you just got screaming. Not to mention Nazir Streeter was on the L I E Post homecoming shirts. Fun 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 fact. That was fun fact. But again, yeah, he's he's great. My team of the week, um, I have a toss-up between two teams, but I'm going to actually make up my mind and go with one, one of these teams because I just made a decision two seconds ago in my head. Um, so it, it was a toss-up between the San Francisco 49ers nice. for uh, Nick Mullins, the way he played last night winning, and the Denver Nuggets. But I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets because who thought they would be 7-1? and one? 
They obviously, they played last night. They are, they're a very good team. Obviously, I mean, um, you know, cats. a lot of people thought that they would be better and easily make the playoffs this season, but in a stacked a stacked Western Conference, they're the second best team right now yeah. in the West. Uh, Nikola Jokic signed to that extension in the offseason. You know, you got a lot of young guys on that team, Jamal Murray. Gary Harris. Gary Harris is young as well. You got a vet in Paul Millsap coming Jokic back. Is, yeah, so they're my team of the week. Yeah. Let's not forget team. they don't have Michael Porter Jr. playing at all either. Or Isaiah Thomas. Great rookie I can't wait to see. On that note, we're going to step aside for another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk NFL trades and preview this upcoming week's NFL games with our lock and upset. You're listening to Review and Preview here on mywcwp.org. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Mike Dawes, Chris Klimazewski, Kyle Russo, and our guest here, Zach, again, two weeks in a row. Thank you for coming on. Uh, and now let's get to the NFL trades. Kyle Russo, obviously the Giants traded away Eli Apple and Snacks. We talked about that last week. Yeah. Um, other big trades that were made, the two biggest ones really that come to mind, uh, Golden Tate to the Eagles for a third-round pick. Um, Golden Tate is now, I believe he's 30. He's 30. 29 or 30. He's 30, yeah. And... This is a weapon that the Eagles could use offensively. I mean, I think they have weapons offensively already, but I think that adds to their receiving core now. It's a little more depth. They have him, Jeffrey, Nelson, Aguilar, and then you have two tight ends in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, who they drafted. Yeah, Their running game is pretty much non-existent, and their defense is awful, so they're kind of relying on Wentz the ball out right now. Um, so, I mean, I think this is an okay move. I don't like the fact that they gave up a third-round pick for a 30-year-old receiver. For the short receiver. term. For the short term, it's an okay move. But, like, next year and the year after, it's like, come on. Well, he's a free agent next year. That's my point. I right. mean, only eight games for a third-round pick. I mean, and, right. and especially, it's not even like you guys are dominating. You guys are have a 500 record right now. Who's you guys? I mean, the Eagles. I'm talking. Okay. I'm talk- okay. My bad, Tom. <laughs> my bad. All right. But then when we go to... Uh, Nobody get- is safe. Nobody's safe. No, but when we go to the... Other major acquisition of uh, Demarius Thomas to the uh, Houston Texans. I think that's I think that's good on both ends. I really do. I mean, yes. Denver Denver gets some picks back, and they sure do. I mean, and when and I think um, I'm pretty sure Demarius Thomas is signed for next year too. So even when Will Fuller comes back, you have Will Fuller to throw to. You have Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, and then Demarius Thomas. I mean, that's Will Fuller's out for the year. That's loaded. Well, that's for this year. I'm talking about for next year. But that's that's loaded for Deshaun Watson to have a successful season next season. It is. Um, Demarius Thomas traded to Houston for a fourth and a seventh round pick. Yeah. Um, and then we got to talk about the passing leaders in the NFL. Pat Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Eli Manning. Huh. Makes you think a little bit. And Matt <laughs> Ryan. I'm never thinking. Though. What do you think about that? What do I think? I think that would sound a lot better with, you know, 15 touchdowns. So, uh, I don't see Odell Beckham. With only eight. Ooh, I, yeah. 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 But with only eight, I mean, not a big deal. Now, Mike Dawes is leaving. Um, Kyle Russo will now About take time. over as the engineer. Uh, thank you, Mike, and we will You're see welcome. you next week. You're welcome. I appreciate you. But this guy, Clem, has such nerve. I can't stand him. I'll see you next week, guys. All right, so Kyle Russo and Dawes will be switching spots. There they are behind us on Facebook Live. All right, now, um, this was a question that was brought up by Kevin Mondello, one of my friends from home last week. Uh, The question was, who are the top dogs in the NFC, the Saints or the Rams, and why? So obviously the Rams are undefeated. They're 8-0. 
And then you got the Saints with Drew Brees leading a pack team. Mark Ingram is back from suspension. He's doing great with Kamara, Michael Thomas, arguably um, a top five receiver in the league. Um, so you have weapons for the Saints offensively and for the Rams as well. You got Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley. Um, now this leaves me to ask you guys this question. Who do you think leads the NFC and comes out of the NFC at this point? If you had to evaluate right now, who's better and why? I think the Saints. I really do think the Saints, and it's just a matter of experience for me. Because I know the Rams, you know, they got to the playoffs last year, they lost in the first round, but they're still a young team. They're, they're, they're truly a young team. The defense, I mean, the line is fantastic, but the secondary is really not that great. I mean, you would think with a, with a secondary like Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters, it would be shut down corners, but it, it just hasn't been that. has not been that. And, I mean, you know, you make the same argument when you go back to the Saints, but when you look down to it, who is the better quarterback? Because the running backs, honestly, in my opinion, they stack up. You, you have Kamara, you have Todd Gurley. That's arguably the two best running backs in the game. You can put them in whatever order you want. I mean, Todd Gurley kind of obvious that he's number one. Alan Kamara, number two. On the uh, on the Saints side, they have the better receiver, but they don't have the depth in receivers that the Rams have. And on line-wise, I mean, they kind of have the same line, a uh, pretty solid line, able to have able to have the uh, able to have pretty solid production from the line in protecting the quarterback and run game-wise. But for me, it's it comes down to Jared Goff and Drew Brees, and I mean, there's just no comparison. There's just no comparison. I mean, you have a you have a legend. Are you experience. just looking at a wall? Is it Tom? I thought that's what you. Were, I didn't know what you were implying by the turn of the finger there. Oh man! When when it comes down to the quarterback matchup, I just think that Drew Brees is the clear favorite, and that's why I'm going to favor the Saints over the Rams for the NFC. Kyle's going to favor the Saints. Chris, I'm going to favor the Rams. I mean, this team is looking. I had the Saints at the beginning of the season. That were my pick, but the way the Rams are playing right now, the way Todd Gurley's playing, the way this offense is on. It's just clicking on all cylinders, and the acquisition of Dante Fowler to that already stacked defensive line oh, yeah. is amazing. I mean, this team was already the best in the league, mm-hmm. and they already they just added an, a top not a top tier DN but an upper echelon defensive end in Dante Fowler to their already stacked defense. I'm gonna take the Rams with going winning the rest of the games out. I mean, not winning the rest of, like going undefeated, but they will. Be my team like all the way. Four, four, 14 and 2, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. So, Kevin, uh, my co host, Kyle, has the Saints. Chris has the Rams. I'm going to be the tiebreaker. I do think the Saints um, will win the Super Bowl this season because they were my pick early on because Drew Brees, this might be his last year and he'll go out with a bang. And their defense is improved as well. But the Rams' defense is phenomenal. There's no hiding that. And they have an excellent running back in Todd Gurley. Jared Goff, a young quarterback who was projected to be a bust, but he's proved a lot of people wrong. Um, The Rams' defense is going to make me give them the slim edge right now in terms of who's better right now. But I think playoff time and experience showed for the Rams last season. I think if these two teams meet in the NFC Championship game, the Rams would have no shot in the Superdome. It needs to be played in L.A. for the Rams to have a shot at winning. That's just my personal take on it because the Saints – are near unstoppable at home on the road. This will be a tougher game for New Orleans, but I think experience in a playoff matchup between Drew Brees and Jared Goff, edge goes to the Saints. And the coaching as well. McVay is great. He's excellent. But Sean Payton has been there, done that, Saints. All right. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. Um, it's, I like the Saints. It, it, it's really tough to choose. They're no, like I really like the Saints neck, too. They're, and that, they're neck and neck. I still think that. I mean, I picked I picked the Saints for a reason that they were going. They were my team to go to the Super Bowl when we did. Uh, yeah. Our preseason predictions, and I still think they are a good team. Mm-hmm. I think I think it will be Rams Saints in the NFC Championship game to yeah. see who determines to go to the Super Bowl. All right. All right. So we'll preview some games here quick, and then we'll get to our lock and our upset. So, uh, games this week, obviously, the Thursday night game last night, San Francisco and Oakland. That was the worst primetime matchup in NFL in over, like, 50 years. I was about to say history, but I can't go that far. Yeah. Uh, Two awful teams. The Raiders now tied for the worst record in the NFL. Let's get to some games this weekend. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers, Big Ben and A.B., will be in Baltimore against the NFL's number one total defense in the Ravens. You got the Bears at the Bills. Uh, the Bears, fun fact, the Bears are in first place in their division. This is the first time they're in first place in their division in week eight since 2012. Um, as we do have a caller here, Kyle Russo will take care of the call. And then we got um, the Bucks and the Panthers. And uh, that'll be Newton and McCaffrey against the Bucks' last-ranked scoring defense. Um, and then we also have the Chiefs and the Browns on the road. Just fire their head coach. You know, that's going to be tough. The Lions and the Vikings should be a good game. Uh, Thielen is aiming to surpass Calvin Jenkins' 100-yard receiving streak. Um, that, th- this is a huge weekend for Thielen and the Vikings. Um, as they play against the Lions. The Falcons and the Redskins should be a good game. Matt Ryan and Julio Jones against the fifth-ranked scoring defense in Washington. Washington's defense and Alex Smith's game management is the reason why they're 5-2. and two. You got the Chargers at the Seahawks. Seattle is the fourth-ranked scoring defense at home. That should be a fun game to watch. Then you got the Rams and the Saints, who are actually playing each other this week. So this was an excellent question by Kevin Mondello to bring up because we just analyzed it and we gave you our predictions uh, you know, I think this is going to be big because the Rams are 8-0 for just the second time in franchise history. 1969 was the last time. Kyle Russo, do we have a caller or no? I don't, I don't know. Somebody keeps on somebody keeps on calling in, and uh, nobody's answering when I when I say hello. Might All be right, the might be the other studio. Yeah, maybe. All right, and then the Packers in New England will be the Sunday night game at 8:20. Second meeting ever between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. The Brady and Rodgers comments. You guys see those comments? Yeah. Bunch of humble guys. Uh, yeah, you know, I was looking at it, and here's what the two players said. Um, so when talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers on if Brady is the GOAT, he has five championships. That ends most discussions. Uh, Tom Brady on if Rodgers played for the Patriots, he'd throw for 7,000 yards every year. He's so much more talented than me. So right there, that goes to show you that both these guys think the other is better. There, yeah. There's no question. Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. Yeah. At this point. You know, yeah. there was an argument a couple of years ago for Joe Montana, but I think that's dead now since he won another Super Bowl since then. Uh, but Rodgers, look, at this moment of their careers, Rodgers would thrive a little more in New England's offense than Brady because Brady is not a mobile quarterback. He is not. Yeah, Ro- be, Rodgers is. To and, be honest with you, I mean, I mean, if you look at the Super Bowls that uh, – that, um, He's been in uh, uh, Tom Brady. When you look at the Super Bowls he's been in, 
he could honestly be undefeated as opposed to Tom Brady if you put Aaron Rodgers in that spot, to be honest with you, because of that run game, the mobility, and the fact that he's more of an accurate quarterback. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers, I think, this is what I think with Aaron Rodgers. When I see Aaron Rodgers, this is what I think of. I think of a guy that is going to go throughout his career with Green Bay and they're just never going to win. I mean, to be honest with you. I mean, this team, for some reason, they don't see what they have in Rodgers. Obviously, they see his value because of what they paid him, but they don't put anything around him. No, yeah, you're absolutely right, and they always try and like just build through the draft. Like they try honestly to follow, like almost like what the Patriots kind of do, build through the draft and just try and get these like second and third round guys and fifth round guys to pan out. And in reality, sometimes and most of the time they don't. I mean, yeah, you got Devonte Adams, who's who's. I'm, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Devonte Adams, and they got Randall Cobb again, another guy I'm not a big fan of. But if you can get like a, a solid person around him around him on off, offensively and defensively, this Packers team can be very good. And you saw that in 2011 when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, yeah, Chris, without a doubt. I mean, but this is the thing with Rodgers. This is how I feel about Rodgers. I mean, with a 3-3 three and three record right now, 3-3 three, three and 1 record right now, I think Aaron Rodgers, honestly, I mean, and you guys call me crazy for it, but I think if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I gotta, I either got to talk to management or I got to request a trade out of Green Bay, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because the fact that Mike McCarthy is still the coach there is absolutely ridiculous, to be honest with you. Wait, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Are you sick? No, I'm I'm healthy. I'm very healthy, according to my doctor. Do you hear what doctor. he's saying? I did. Mike McCarthy. What? Yeah. Tom, how many more years of losing and, and losing? Losing. Losing. What? What are you talking about? When was the last time they finished under 500? Who cares if you don't reach the Super Bowl? Okay, but the NFC is a lot more competitive this year, and Rodgers wasn't healthy last year. Well, that's last year. What about the years previous? Oh, man, really? You're going to go there? You're really going to go there? I'm going to go there. Because at the end of the day... How is it McCarthy's problem? It's McCarthy's problem because he's not putting the product out on the it's field. It's not McCarthy's problem that Pat Shermer thrived with Minnesota's offense last season with a backup quarterback. That's Minnesota doing well. And Green Bay just couldn't match it, and they had an injured quarterback last year. Well, I'm not, Tom. I'm not talking about that. I'm right, talking I'm about saying... just in general. I'm talking about just in general. When you look at what they've done over the past previous years, excluding last year because Aaron Rodgers had a torn ACL in Week Five, so he was done. McCarthy. At the end of the day, mm. you need to win, and obviously know. reaching the playoffs—that's fine. I don't know. But at this point, if you're going to have a generational quarterback, which they do. Falling short of the Super Bowl is not cool. You you need to be able to get over that hump. And McCarthy, I don't know if he's the guy to do it. To be honest with you, there are three three and one team right now, and Aaron Rodgers is only getting up there in age. Are you going to waste his years, or are you going to take more risks and take a chance and go maybe in a different direction? But who 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 does Rodgers have to throw to on that offense right now? Geronimo Allison, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Jimmy Graham. The, this they're, is the point. They're, Tom, one, they're one weapon away that's, from that's, matching teams like Minnesota. That's a valid point, Tom. But at the end of the day, you have Aaron Rodgers, who's proven to do more with less. Chris, is McCarthy on the hot seat? It's been rumored he's been on the hot seat for a couple of years now. And I think it's the same thing with Marvin Jones in the Bengals. Like you can get to the playoffs every year, but... I told you. As much as, 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 much as he is a good coach, he is. Mar- Mike McCarthy's a great coach, and so is even Marvin Jones. But I think they need to they need to switch something up there because you do have a generational quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. He's arguably he has better skill than Tom Brady, but will he go down better than Tom Brady? No, he will not. 
And that's coming from a Jets fan. I think Tom Brady's, Tom Brady's going to be the best quarterback of all time when he, once he retires. Okay. Again, coming from a Jets fan, it burns me saying that. It literally burns me. But Aaron Rodgers, he's great. But you don't have the talent around him to get him to the Super Bowl. I mean, look, I and Tom, while you were you stepped out for a hot second, I mentioned that the Patriots are almost trying to do what the I mean the, the Packers are trying to do what the Patriots do and build through the draft and get these guys who you can basically put in anywhere and they'll be good around Aaron Rodgers, which to a point is kind of true because look you have guys like Geronimo Allison who is who's playing decent he's playing decent what he was like a fourth round fifth round pick yeah. you have Devontae Adams who I'm still I'm still not a huge fan of but he's been he's been thriving and Randall Cobb is eh overall though you mean if you can get guys around. Um, if you guys get some decently played guys around Aaron Rodgers and get a defense that act, that's actually good, the Packers can be a good team, but they're not doing that. They're, not, they're trying to build through the draft, and they're not going out and signing the big-name guys that they need to be. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be hard to sell players on, you know, you get to play with Aaron Rodgers, but over the years it, it's been tough, to be yeah. honest. It, it has been. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Uh, I respectfully disagree, but I see where you guys are coming from. Um Quickly, Texans at the Broncos. Demarius Thomas plays against his former team five days after being traded away by them. Is he playing this week? He is. Okay. The Rams at the Saints, 425. We just previewed that. The two best teams in the NFC. Um, and then the Titans at Dallas on Monday Night Football. Um, all right, so let's get to our lock and our upset. Um, Dawes left. He already has his. His lock is he's going to go with the Chicago Bears over the Buffalo Bills. Good pick, and then his upset is Seattle over the Chargers at home. Wow, they're dogs at home against the Chargers. Wow, the, I mean, the Chargers are a team that almost lost to Tennessee last week. That uh, com- com- that comeback attempt was short lived, but you got to argue if Vrabel goes for the extra point, you know the Chargers yeah. might lose that game. Clem, uh, your lock and your upset. I'm gonna do my lock as. Remember, Chicago and Seattle are now off the table. Chicago and Seattle off the table. Okay. My lock is going to be the Redskins. All right. Beating the Falcons. And my upset is going to be the Browns over the Chiefs. Wow. Wow. Okay. No, I like it. I like it. We have, we, it's bold. It's bold. It's very That's bold. It's, it's bold, bold move, Cotton. It's a bold move. Okay. So Very bold. Love it. I love it. For my lock, I am going to take Fitzmagic and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over Carolina. Love it. Is Tampa Bay favored? No, Carolina is five and a half at okay. home. But I'm, I'm going to go with Fitzmagic. And then my upset is going to be New Orleans over the Rams. You know, Tommy, you're talking about it. You know, play at the Superdome, Chris, possible NFC championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Drew Brees pulls through with this team. The Saints wind up winning, and the Rams get their first loss of the season. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, so, again, as the host of the show, I'm not left with uh, many games, but um, I do think that. All right, so my pick, um, my lock is going to be Dallas over Tennessee. Oh, um, I like them at home because Dallas is undefeated. Amari Cooper now in the system. Yeah, Amari Dallas is three and zero at home, zero and four on the road. That is that not tells good. you something. Yeah, they're good at home. They're bad away from home. Now, upsets here, um, look, Houston's on a hot streak right now, so I'm not going to go with them. And really the only other game that I was looking at is Pittsburgh, uh, is Green Bay and New England and Pittsburgh and Baltimore. 
Uh, since Pittsburgh is on the road, I mean, look, I think uh, this is tough. You know, this really is tough. Do we know who's favored in that game, the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game? I'd imagine it's uh, the Steelers. It's Baltimore, two and a half. It is Baltimore. So uh, I'm going to go with the upset and go with Pittsburgh over Baltimore. Wow. I picked the uh, 1996 Super Bowl, Cowboys and Steelers. All right. So. Fun fact. Yeah. Um, yeah that'll end our NFL segment. Let's move on to the New York Giants, and then we'll take our final break of the evening. All right. So the Giants lose to Washington 20-13. to They are now tied for the worst record in the NFL and Washington now, they're off to their best start since 2008, 5-2 on the season. And, look, Alex Smith didn't look too great in this game, but he didn't look too bad either. 20-32, 178 yards and a touchdown. The real story of this game was Adrian Peterson. I told you he was going to go off, man. I told a, you he was going to um, go off. A resurrection to his career. Uh, I think this is good for him and the Redskins moving forward because he's something they desperately need on their offense with Geis out for the year and Chris Thompson, who has not been healthy this season. And there's really no guy that you can look and say, oh, he's the star of their offense. Who do they have? Josh Doxson, Jamison Crowder, Jordan Reed. Those are average players right now, and Reed's injuries have derailed him to be an average player. Yeah. You know, he has star potential, but it, it's never showed because he can't stay on the field. Yeah. He can't. Um, all right, so this Giants game... Swearinger with the two picks off of Manning. Uh, the first one, he just read the route very nicely. Look, a- a- he really set Washington up well in this game to move the ball down the field. AP had 149 yards and the one touchdown. I know that big run came late in the fourth quarter. What was it, 65 yards or something? 64. 64. And he had a receiving cat, uh, touchdown. He did. So, yeah. he had, um, so he had the only two touchdowns for the Redskins. Yep. And then Hopkins, he missed the one field goal. Look, it was 7-3 to three at halftime. The opportunities were there for the Giants. Yep. They were. And, look, I'm not going to really point fingers at one particular player, but I don't necessarily think Eli Manning is was the major issue in this game. He had no time to throw. The offensive line was awful. Chad Wheeler got hurt in this game, so Brian Mihalik had to come in. Um, again, no uh, Omane. Remember, Omane got benched, so Spencer Pulley is starting at center. Greco needs to play center. He can't be playing right guard. Greco is old. Yeah. Washington he has a great defensive center. line. Ioannidis had a day, two and a half sacks. Um, pretty sure Ioannidis is a rookie, if I'm not mistaken, or a second-year player. Uh, he's a young guy, and the Giants' offensive line could not do it. And I don't look – yeah, Manning had the two picks. He had a couple bad throws. But I don't necessarily think this game is entirely on him. You know, he had a lot of passing yards. Yes, a lot of them came late when, when they were down. But I will fault Eli Manning in terms of you've got to score more points in the red zone. I don't care. Like, I don't care if the offensive line in front of you was playing bad. You've got to find ways to, con- to turn field goals into touchdowns, and that's been the problem with the Giants for the last two to three years now. They can't score points in the red zone. When you score 13 points at home against the Washington Redskins in a divisional game in this day and age in the NFL, look, 20 years ago, 13 points could win you a game. That's not going to happen. Then. It's not going to happen anymore. It's n- no. Stop living. The Giants have an offense that is built for the 1990s in 2018. Yeah. And, Tom, back to your point. Star players. Back to your point. I don't single-handedly blame Eli. What I blame Eli for is because in clutch time, he cost them the game. Think about it. No offensive line. The O-line gave up, like, seven sacks, I'm pretty sure. 
We have no edge rushers, no no sacks. We can't in this run game. the ball. We can't run the we ball. We trade away the best runs, one of the best run stoppers, uh, stoppers in the league. Okay, but it's good and for our the best long corner. Term. It's good for and the long we term. Only, it's I know, I know. Term, and we only saying. lost twenty to thirteen. B.W. Webb had a great game. I thought. I'm not questioning the defense. I'm saying when it comes down to the game, Eli is what cost you the game. You're going to tell me giving Saquon Barkley the ball only 13 times on the ground isn't put into consideration? Yes, In he those had 13 tw- times when he only has 38 yards, I mean, what are you going to keep on you're, doing it? You're going to blame. So, look, well, that's part of the offensive line. That's not Eli. The offensive line is more at fault than Eli. Yeah, but Eli threw a bad pass because DJ Swearing didn't do the route. Not you know what DJ Swearing just said how, after the game? Did you see what, what he said? Let's, let's hear it. He said the Giants are predictable. The Giants are predictable. They're predictable. He knew that Odell was going to get that pass because that's what they do, slant routes. And that's exactly what he did. And then the second interception was absolutely disgusting. I don't need, that, that looked like a rookie play. He just lobbed it up into the air. For some reason, instead of throwing it out, he saw guys coming at him. He threw it right up into the air, right into DJ Swearinger's hands. But, uh, again, we all know this. Sometimes we don't want to admit it because we're Giants fans, but at the end of the day, one of the main problems, not the single-handed problem, but Eli Manning is a problem on this team. He is, he is, he's not helping you win right, games. But you're he's not, helping you you're lose not, games. You're, you're not going to tell me that Odell Beckham is not part of the problem as well? At this point in his career, is he, does Eli Manning— He wasn't the problem last week at all. He had eight catches, 136 yards. He, had, he made great catches, and he had a fine game. Because Odell Beckham is Odell Beckham. Right, but he has been part of the and problem And he turned in the something past, into nothing. And he still is. You realize two of his biggest yardage plays were based on awful throws that he turned into highlights? You realize that, right? Like, the terrible throw that he brought in with one hand as he was on the ground and the one that he just grabbed out of the air in garbage time. That was that Eli was Manning did not yards. lose the Giants this game. If Eli Manning would have lost the Giants this game, you would see a much higher score. Or four interceptions instead of two. But... He cost them the game. Tom, this is how he cost them the game. How does the play calling in the offensive line not cost them the game? This is how he cost them the game. 13 carries in the poorest running game. This is how he cost them the game. Tom, this is how he cost them the game. That cost them the game. Tom, this is how he cost them the game. This is how he cost them the game. When you could get down to the red zone and you can't score, that's on you. That's on you. No doubt, Shermer has had some suspect play calling. No doubt about it. But you got into the red zone, I don't even know how many times in that game. I'm pretty sure it was around four or five times. And you couldn't come away with a touchdown. Right, but most teams can establish a run in the red zone, and the Giants can't. Okay. They can't. But when you have That's Odell. That's not on Eli. When you That's have Odell, not entirely on Sterling, Eli. Evan Ingram, and Saquon Barkley to throw to, it should be less of a problem than it is, don't you think? I mean, to be honest, don't you think that's that should be less of a problem? It should be, but the offensive line is that bad. It's so deceiving and make you think that the main problem is Eli Manning when it's really not. Is he a problem? Yes, but he's not the main problem. I think he's a he's major problem. He's always needed a better offensive line. He's not a major problem. But this is what we're talking about, Tom. Every time we talk about the offensive line with Eli Manning, it's like we're basically saying this offensive line has to be 2007 Super Bowl team offensive line for this man to succeed. No doubt because the offensive line is terrible. he's 37 years old. What does that mean? He was still immobile as a 20-something-year-old. doesn't matter. He still did the same thing he did 15 years ago right, now. but Odell Beckham's first two years, that was a lot because of Eli Manning. Behind, a bad, b- behind a bad offensive That's line what I'm pointing at 33 out. and 34 years old. That, you just said it. What's the difference between that and that? But the now? offensive line is worse. It's not worse. It's worse. You're not going to tell me it's worse? No. You had two consistent guys who weren't getting hurt at the time in Pew and Richburg as young rookies. 
a year after the other. And they were two solid players. The offensive line was not awful at that. It wasn't good. No, but it, it was, was, it it's was been awful. awful for the past five years. It's been awful. Without a doubt, awful. That's why I don't like it when people bring up, oh, well, you didn't sign back I, Justin Peters. I think Odell Just, Beckham's attitude good. has been awful for look the how, past look five how well years. Justin, I think Odell Beckham's attitude has been awful for look the past well five years. Look how well Justin Pugh and, and uh, Weston Richburg And it's going to be awful Richburg for another 10 years. Look how well uh, Weston Richburg and uh, Justin Pugh are protecting the quarterbacks right now. I mean, they the, their teams are both at the bottom of the league right now, so they're doing great jobs. You know, I love when we talk about the You're, guys. What, this is so oh, much fun. Are you kidding me? First of all, Arizona has a rookie quarterback. San Francisco has a third string starting at quarterback. Doesn't right matter. Now. Okay, you're going to have me, a rookie quarterback. You can't blame Weston Richburg and Justin Pugh for the reason why the Cardinals and the 49ers are two of the worst three teams in the NFC. No, but you can't tell me that they're the reason why the Giants' offensive Justin line Pugh is. And Weston Richburg. No, but you can't How tell can me. How can you blame them? You can't tell me that the absence of them in the Giants' lineup has been the reason why they're even worse. Because when you look at what they're doing individually now on their opposite teams. They're doing awful. Yeah, but there's no leader on the offensive line. You're going to tell me Nate Solder's the leader of the offensive line? He's been there for eight games. He's got the C, though. He does. So they look. But he, had they, all, he had an awful game last week. They look to him as a leader, though. That's they look the to him as a leader, but you had two guys in Pew and Richburg. Now you have one who's a first-year player. This offensive line, the chemistry is not there. See, Pew and Richburg had chemistry. They weren't good. They weren't talented, but the guys around them fed off of that, and they were a decent offensive line. They were. They weren't. Eli though. Manning is not the major problem, though. Yes, he is. Tom, How he is he is. the major problem? Chris, come on. How is, is Eli Manning problem? the major problem? Please, I'm going to bring you into this. I, I don't. I don't think. <laughs> is he Eli is. Manning the I major really problem? I really don't think he is because the offensive line is that bad. It makes you think Eli Manning is the problem. I'll say this: good quarterbacks will thrive with a bad offensive line. Thank you. Granted. Granted. He just said no. He just said it. I did. I did just say it. But I'm not saying that Eli. It's not all Eli, though. I'm it, not saying it either. I'm saying is he the? I'm not saying he's single-handed. Is he the biggest problem right now with this team? I think it is. I think he is. Just, I don't. I, I don't think so. Just because. I mean, look, I'm, but you could also make it the the argument for the offensive line too. Because look how bad the offensive line was for the Colts. But Andrew Luck still managed to do good. Because he's younger and he can move, that's but, not Eli's game. But then that's then that's on the that's on the, that's on the GM then that's on Gettleman that's on Reese for not drafting offensive linemen, not drafting guys who can help protect Eli. Yeah, you could say you, you oh you drafted Saquon to to help Eli get protection, but then you t- that then then you're taking the aspect of Saquon's best game out out of out of that and putting him as a blocker instead of using him so like you he, just answered it. Therefore, Eli's not the main problem. The front office is the offensive. Line I think is. if that's the case, then yes, it's the front office then. Because if you both you both are right in both in both of your he, arguments, he just said the front. It's the front office's fault for for not getting a quarterback that's mobile and accurate. No, 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 that's no, not no. what I'm saying. That, that's he not what said, I'm saying either. What I'm saying is. You know what Eli's stature is. It's not like he's been he's been able to run early on his career and not been able to run now. He can't run his whole career, and you saw it earlier on in in his earlier career when the, you mentioned the O seven line, where they had Sean O'Hara, uh, Chris Snee, and all these good offensive linemen. Yeah, you didn't Dave need Beal, he, McKenzie. Yeah, exactly. You didn't need to Cyber. run. But now it's up to the GM to put offensive linemen around Eli Manning who can help him protect him. And they're not doing that, so it's gonna it's being lashed on Eli Manning and this offensive line, and why it stinks on, on, to Eli Manning, and why it stinks. And I understand where you're coming from and what you're saying, and I understand what Tom's coming from. Both of you are correct in both your statements that you're making. 
So that's really the case. It all let, me com- a, let me ask you a question, both yes. of you guys. We, we, got, we got to move on after this. We got to move go. on? All right, real right. quick. I Granted, Eli Manning does have two Super Bowls. There's no doubt about it. No. But if he did not have that name on the back of his jersey, what other quarterback do you know that would be benched and then reinstated to start a season after going 3-13? and 13? You're going to tell me name, that name, him being name. benched last year was Eli Manning's fault? No. There's no doubt about it that, you know, you lose 30 players, 30 starters. That's the reason why you get benched to test your options. At the end of the day, wow. at this point, now wow. you're 1-7. and seven. When is the benching time coming? So in the, the Giants, uh, it's a fair I question. I'm not arguing the benching. I'm I don't just think arguing it is the fact coming. that it, it's not coming. Well, it's not coming now because Kyle Aletta yeah, is Yeah, I was going to say, now it's not coming. Rest. Now, yeah. in your mind, do you think, A, like, all right, obviously they need – a spark because you have 37 rushing yards last week. That's not okay, especially when you have Saquon Barkley, the best player in last year's draft, arguably. Um, Kyle Lalletta gets arrested in Weehawk in New Jersey <laughs> Tuesday morning, and apparently he did this two days in a row where he tried to make a right from the left lane on 95, and then a cop is flagging him down, and then he starts driving in his direction, nearly runs him over. Basically, he made a right turn in the wrong lane and nearly ran over an officer directing traffic. Um, He did the same thing the prior morning but wasn't stopped. Um, He's being issued two summonses in the mail. Uh, This is not good because it's alluded as a third-degree crime obstructing administration, and he resisted arrest. Uh, Oh, he resisted arrest? Well, according to third-degree crime obstructing administration of law and resisting arrest, Motor vehicle charges for reckless driving, disregarding an officer's direction, um, and failure to remain in the marked lane. So this this is a problem. Tom, we talked about this last night, and obviously, listen, it's it's nothing good that comes from this. But at the end of the day, I think it's just a rookie late to practice because you can't get to the Meadowlands without making that right turn. That's the uh, that's what I've heard this, from yeah, previous. But this week, you were saying that. This is a personal problem on his part. There's something wrong with him mentally. Well, because they didn't, they because of what they blown into proportion. Like he, he tried to My run over a this, cop. This is all Murphy's law. Anything that <laughs> will go wrong, that can go wrong, will we'll go, go wrong. wrong. There you go. And it has happened for the New York Football Giants in 2018, which makes the three and 13 season somewhat look better than this year right now. Well, I told you, don't be surprised if we don't win more than three stop, games. Stop. Stop. I told stop. you. Stop. All right. I said it at the beginning of season two, five games. That's why I put the Giants out. So I do think they have a shot at winning some games after the bye. I don't know, man. Nick Mullins is verified now on Twitter. He looks pretty good. <laughs> Way to jump on the Mullins bandwagon in one Love game. It. Listen, man, that, that guy threw for 260 yards and three touchdowns. That's so almost half Giants, of Eli's in eight the, games. The Giants are – stop. The Giants are <laughs> – he has the fourth most passing yards in the league, so whatever. Uh, the Giants are on a bye – this week, so they cannot lose. A well-needed buy. <laughs> a well-needed No, they lost. Buy. They just lost the quarterback that they were going to... Oh, yeah, they technically... That's, that's a loss. They lost. I don't necessarily think they were going to do it. There's definitely speculation on it. I don't think it was going to happen. It might have well happened. I don't think it was going to in Week 10 against the 49ers. I think they were going to give Eli one more game against a bad team. The original plan was to start Loletta at some point. And then bring Eli back for the last game of the season as yeah. the proper send-off, which yeah. I that's, think would That's the been, way it should be. Right, because Eli now is considering retirement, but Lawletta, uh, not a smart move. No. <laughs> that's that's well said. Look, he's only 23 years old, but still, that's not an excuse. I mean, no, it definitely was nerves. Because like, when you're going to practice, like, oh, this might be my shot. 
I'm going to get looks with the first team today yeah. that ruined the Giants' whole Remember, practice plan. Potential quarterback for the New York Football Giants. That's huge. I have one hot take that might surprise you guys. All right. Oh, the, yeah, the Giants franchise, remember, they won the Super Bowl in 2007 the first time. Remember the year after they were 12-4 and four yep. in 2008, and then they lost in the second round to the Eagles. They had the first round by. They were the best team in football that year. Yeah, They were 10-1, and one, right? The trade, the trade deadline is, like, here, the Giants should have made a move that season. Obviously, you can't predict Blacksco Burris shooting himself in the foot, but <laughs> the biggest mistake that the Giants have made was not trading for Tony Gonzalez in 2008. If they traded for Tony Gonzalez, the best tight end of all time, arguably. No, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I understand what you're saying. That could have helped them. But you're putting in potential in question. I Big mean, upgrade just, from Kevin Boss. Love, I know, love but Kevin Boss. But. Yeah, but no, yeah, but no one didn't think after the 2017 he emerged as a very good tight end in 2007. Yeah, nobody could have pictured what happened in Atlanta with Tony Gonzalez for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. And no one predicted that because coming off that huge well, Super Bowl run and Kevin Boss playing a huge factor into that actually too. He had one 45 yard catch. Big 45-yard catch. That was the biggest play that he made all season. Yeah. Look, key moments. David Tyree, He Mario makes Manningham. big key I moments. Mean, that's, that's the thing. What I'm saying, you could have used another guy to help offensively. Not, no, there's not no necessarily doubt saying, about it. I'm not necessarily saying sit boss on the bench, but no. Gonzalez wanted to be traded. He was still in Kansas City. Yeah. He wanted to be traded, and the Giants were one of the teams that he was interested in. Yeah. The Giants didn't take the bait, and apparently they would have gotten him for a third-round pick is what they're saying. A well, second Tom, or third-round pick. And at the time, I think – I'm just saying. I'm not saying they should have did it or they should have not. No, no, yeah. But if the Giants did it, there's a good chance they're sitting as back-to-back Super Bowl champions. I mean, you could look at it easily as this week. Easily as this week. I mean, we're one and seven, and yet we don't trade anybody at the trade deadline. I well, mean, we did make a move. We claimed Jamon Brown, which, like quite move. frankly, this was a steal for yep. the, for for the New York Football Giants. Without a doubt. Guys. The uh, Rams had to let him go because of the guy who started in his place. I don't know if Brown, Austin was, Blythe. Brown was suspended or something. Austin or? Blythe, yeah. Brown was suspended. suspended, and Blythe earned his way onto the team, so the Rams didn't have a choice but to cut Brown because they were trying to trade for him. Yeah, Brown is an excellent offensive guard. He's yeah. part, he started all 16 games for the Rams last year. This is a great pickup for the Giants. I think he might be starting in Week 10, if not Week 11. Yeah, he should This guy be. is going to earn his way up onto the 53-man at some point, if not already. And he's going to start at some point this season, and he might be a guard they keep for the future because he's a young guy. Yeah. He is a young guy. And what's nice about it is because due to the circumstances of which his situation is, we could possibly get him for cheap, especially after blowing a lot of money on the O-line. It really yeah. hasn't paid off. No, To get a sure. cheap guy that could have some solid impact, that really help. On that note, we have about 10 minutes left in the show, and we're going to get to some basketball here. Good talk on the Giants, as always. You know, not too you know, many... Uh, not too many debates, a little bit of argument, but, you know, solid, very solid. constructive. And Eli is still our quarterback in Week 10, so okay, as of right now. All right. Um, as, of, as of right now. All right, so <laughs> the Knicks and the Nets, neither team is good. No. I know they played each other this week, the, the Knicks won. The Nets won last week. The Nets are actually on top of the Houston Rockets right now, 61-56, to but Houston is without James Harden. Um, so definitely doesn't matter, right? But still, it's the Houston Rockets who are one and five, about to be one and six if they don't turn things around. The Carmelo Anthony. Effect. The Knicks are up thirteen seven right now on the road against Dallas. Uh, Brooklyn is three and five. The Knicks are two and six. Uh, you know, Porzingis is still out. Mitchell Robinson earning his way into the starting lineup. That's been key. Mitchell Robinson starting now along with Nidalekina at point guard. Nidalekina starting to develop a jump shot. 
Tim Hardaway has been solid. Uh, I think if you're the Knicks, you try to trade Courtney Lee. This, I mean, he hasn't played, so I don't know if he'll, if he'll have any value. Well, the Knicks, what's been stated is they, they're trying to play the young guys rather than the older guys. That's what they're trying to do at this point. Well, Cant- Cantor is a young guy, and he's on the bench right now for Robinson, and I like Fisdale's mentality. Nobody has a guaranteed starting job. I love David Fisdale. I think that was one of the smartest moves that the Knicks have made in a long time. No, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, I think the hiring of David Fisdale was great. And to go off what Kyle said, yeah, they're playing a lot of the young guys because you know what you're going to get out of Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway, all, uh, Porzingis when he comes back. So you're seeing a lot of the play from Mitchell Robinson, Dotson, uh, Von Lea, Von Lea, excuse me. Nilakina, Trey all, Burke. Yeah, all oh, these guys who still have to prove themselves on this team. Bonley's a beast on the board. Yeah. Man. And that's exactly what these players are doing. Mitchell Robinson's looking good. Lonzo yeah, Trier. Yeah, Dotson, Lonzo Dotson's Trier. been looking all right. Trier's been looking good, too, as well. So that, and I think it's a very smart move by uh, David Fisdale to be doing all this. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think so, too. Uh, you know, right now you have so many young guys on this team that weren't on the team last year. Obviously, Kevin Knox is going to be out for a while. But the impact of Mitchell Robinson and Alonzo Trier, I think the Knicks may have the best trio of rookies in the league because those are three solid rookies that can give you quality minutes. I don't think any other team has that. And the way Dotson has been performing, earning himself a starting job, you know, it's kind of pushed Ron Baker towards the back of the bench, who's also a very solid player to have on your bench. And, you know, you got to think at this rate, Porzingis won't come back until 2019. Uh, If if this is their mentality and if this is what they want to do, because yeah. you look at this team, Vonley's been around for a while, but he's only 24. Cantor uh, yeah. is only 26, and he's been around forever. So Hazonia's young, too. Hazonia is a young guy. The only two old guys on this team are Courtney Lee and LT. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think Courtney Lee, it's been rumored last year that they were going to trade him. Yeah. yeah. Didn't end up trading him. I think he will be dealt at some point yeah. this season. I think he'll be bought out. Honestly, or waived at this point because yeah. you know, I mean, if you don't play him, you're not going to get any value th- from him. I th- if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the last year of his contract. So, I mean, I could see them sending him off to a team that could use a, a bench guy when it comes down to the playoffs for maybe like a second round pick or even a, like not even, I wouldn't even say a late first round pick, like a second round pick more mm-hmm. likely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Brooklyn Nets for them, it, it's uh, it's you know, it's one of those things that. They're not going to have a great season either. Um, they have young talent. Obviously, Jed Allen, one of those guys. Spencer Didwitty, Karis LeVert has emerged into a great player. Uh, I don't like Jared Dudley. I don't think he's a good fit for any team, really. Uh, I don't Joe know why he's Harris, still starting. Joe Harris is averaging over 13 points a game. He's been rock solid for them. Yeah, He's been starting. Uh, D'Angelo Russell needs to do more work for them. Mm-hmm. He's having uh, a good game tonight, 12 he points is. so far. And for the Rockets, starting for them, you have Chris Paul, James Ennis III, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, and Clint Capella. Yeah, this Houston team is not going to be good this year, guys. No, they're going to be terrible. They're, Carmelo sticks. Well, Carmelo off the bench has 12 points. Can I, be, guys. can I be completely honest with you guys? Yeah. The Rockets might not make the playoffs. No. I mean, if they keep playing like this, yeah, this is a very competitive They might West. not make the playoffs. If they, if they make the playoffs, it'll be as a 6 or a 7, and they'll go out in round 1. They don't have it right now. You lost Trevor Ariza and Luke Bamute, two excellent defenders on this team last year that are now gone. That I mean, I think that was a big mistake on their part, not re-signing go- those guys, but they kind of had no choice because they owed Clint Capella this large contract as a defensive center, and that now you kind of leave yourself in a hole where you, your starting five on paper looks great. CP3, Harden, 
P.J. Tucker, Carmelo Anthony, and Clint Capella. That's great, but there's no depth on the bench besides Eric Gordon. Yeah, there's no. I there's mean, nothing like, there. You got Marquise. Nothing. You got Marquise Chris, who was a former first round draft pick. Not good enough. Not good enough. No, and you still you do a Brandon Knight. I'm always, I've always been a big Brandon Knight fan. He's been on the mm-hmm. he's on the bad end on some uh, dunks, but I've, I've always liked Brandon <laughs> Knight. Um, so I mean, I, I they got they got something. They got Michael Carter Williams, yeah. former former rookie of the year. That was so, a terrible. That was a terrible year. Speaking of yeah. not good enough. The Cavs fire Tyron Lue six games into his coaching career. Stinks. Pun, in, pun intended. Exactly. Say, yeah. Six games into his coaching career. I, you go. No, I, I got, I got, you the, got the reference. Kai Russo brought that up yesterday, and it went over my head. So Yeah, there you go. Uh, Tyron Lue 0-6 as yeah. the coach of the Cavs this season. He's gone. Um, yeah, Love may miss more than a month. This team is in turmoil. Well, They're going nowhere. Love actually uh, just declared for surgery today, out six weeks. So he's probably out for two months almost. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like this is – what kind of surgery was it? I think he was. I think he had a toe injury. All right. So I mean, there's nothing crazy then. I think this is good for the Cavs in a way. Hear me out. How old's uh, Kevin Love? He's uh, like thirty. He's got to be thirty, thirty-one. No. Okay, so, yeah. Older, younger. He was drafted in like two thousand eight. He's like twenty-nine, I think. Oh no, he's thirty. He just turned thirty though. He just turned thirty. Okay. So he's still, I'll say, decently young. He's in he, his prime. He's still yeah. He's still in his prime. And you have Colin Sexton, too. If you can build around those two guys, get rid of the JRs. You, I mean, you're not getting rid of Tristan Thompson, as sad as that is. You're not going to get rid of him. If you can build around those two guys. Smith with, and Shump. Yeah, those those two guys, too, you got to get rid of. Well, Shump is gone, but yeah, Smith. Well, I do, Smith I, requested a trade. I don't know if you guys saw it. Corver. Yeah, Corver. Yeah, the Corver, same. Yeah, again, he, yeah, this team through. is all This is all LeBron's team. This is still LeBron's team, yeah, technically. LeBron's, LeBron's team without him. Basically. Exactly. And then you fire Tyron Lue, who I will was, say, wasn't even the coach. I will say one thing about the Cavs. Sadie Osman has been great. Yep. He has he been has. the one bright spot of this team besides Colin Sexton. LeBron loved him, apparently. Osman, LeBron fought for him to get more minutes. But. Osman was LeBron's backup, basically, who yeah. didn't play. I mean, the starting lineup now, it's Hood. Osman, George Hill, Thompson, and Love. Well, it was Love, but anyway. Yeah. The Cavs are awful. We got to move on. Um, the Celtics-Bucks game last night was great. Those are the two top teams in the East right now. I think I predicted that last week as uh, the Eastern Conference Finals this year. No, I picked Boston and Toronto, but um, Milwaukee's going to be up there as the top four team, I think. And I think I yeah. proved you wrong in my predictions, Kyle. Mil- Milwaukee may be a top four team this season. Oh, nobody's doubting top four. I just don't think that they are going to want it. When they get to that moment of playing Boston or Toronto, I don't think that they're going to show up. The heat of the moment will get to them. But right now they're doing well. I think Budenholzer has a good strategy in mind. They're going to be great. Gordon Hayward back. He looks solid. Remember, Boston won without Jalen Brown last night, but Milwaukee looked great on the road against this Boston team. Aaron Baines is starting to find his shooting range on the three-point mark. Uh, Other news, Rick Pitino hoping to coach again in the NBA, former coach of the Knicks. The whole scandal with Louisville. Does Patino have a route back into the NBA at any point? No uh, shot. My guess is no. No shot. Yeah. I mean, uh, after what he was accused of and how he got off, too, really? It's tough, yeah. I mean, there's no way. And any team that really takes a risk on him is going to be taking a lot of heat from the media and people in general yeah. after what he was accused of. I don't um, think it's worth the risk. This is a guy the Brooklyn Nets may look at down the line. You no, know. I love I love Kenny Atkinson. You do? Kenny Atkinson is, is nice, especially from the Spurs organization. That's a nice acquisition to have. All right, guys, we're going over two-minute warning here. Uh, the right. last thing we're going to talk about tonight is Derrick Rose and his remarkable victory the other night. It might have been last night, actually. Was it last night or the night before? I no, think I think it was, it was the, two nights the, ago. The two, two nights ago. Uh, they beat the Utah Jazz at home. 
look, Jimmy Butler is out of the option. Like he, yes, six week absence. Six now. six week He's absence with the team again. Yep. Look, this is the team that was built around Jimmy Butler. You have Tom Thibodeau. This is basically the Chicago Bulls 2.0 plus Andrew Wiggins and Anthony Towns. Calling it, yeah. Look at the team: Taj Gibson, Derek Rose, Luol Deng. This is everything Butler played with in Chicago, just about, and he hates it. I mean, look, you want to, you got to be, and look, Derek Rose is the veteran on this team. Derek Rose now, I think he's twenty nine, maybe thirty. Derek Rose, he's thirty. He's Derek Rose has been around for ten years, ten eleven years in this league. Yeah, and it seems like a while. Derek Rose is seven years removed from winning the NBA MVP. Derek Rose had a career high in points the other night, fifty points that he dropped. He got very emotional after the game. I think Rose is a great guy on and off the floor. I mean, even in Chicago, you never really heard him getting... Obviously, he's a star player, so there's going to be media attention, and sometimes he'll be portrayed in a poor light, but he really is a leader. He is. No, I've always been a huge uh, Derek... Uh, I mean, uh, Derek Rose fan. I don't know why I couldn't think of his last name. Derek uh-huh. Rose fan, even when he was playing at uh, Memphis. Memphis, yep. Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, yeah, he was playing in Memphis. I remember him playing in the tournament. He was very good then. Comes up to Chicago. Plays very good in his first couple of years. Then he wins the MVP. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm all about Derrick Rose. I love him. I love him. I love yeah. him. And he has the brutal knee surgeries and the brutal knee injuries. And he just really never recovered from that. I mean, last year you saw him with the Knicks. He was on the Knicks. No, he was on the Cavs, yeah. Cavs. And then the year, two years before he was on the Knicks. And he was trying to rejuvenate his career. And I think he's finally doing that now on the Wolves. Yeah. Um, final note on Rose here fourth player to score 50 points this season. Um, his last regular season 40-point point game was back on March 18, 2011. So it just goes to show you the injuries he's dealt with, the battles he's fought. Don't give up on your dream. Anything is possible. It's proven. This it's is a true proven. guy that loves the game. He loves the game. He loves basketball. The game itself is team. His work ethic is strong. And on that note, we'd like to thank you all for tuning into our show tonight, Review and Preview here on MyWCWP.org through WCWP Sports. On behalf of Mike Dawes, Kyle Russo, Chris Klimazewski, I'm Tom Scavetta, wishing you all a good evening. We'll be back next week with more sports news and debates. You're listening to Review and Preview here on MyWCWP.org. Have a good night.